Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up? I Take Radio episode 51 for Thursday, July 15th, 2010. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2, Frets of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that or any of the other intro music we've used in previous episodes at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347 324 3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. All right. Coming off of episode 50, of course, this is episode 51, obviously. A um, couple of things. I have a screaming migraine and am battling a severe case of exhaustion for a multitude of reasons. So if I seem a little off my game, even by a little bit, it's because of that. But, you know, caffeine headache medication, a fuckload of water, and an AC blasting hopefully cool enough to keep me from melting in this corner should help me power through the show this evening. Um, of course, I want to welcome back some of the listeners that went to the um, video game forum meetup in Cali. I hope you guys had an awesome trip. I uh, wanted to thank all of you for calling in for episode 50 all the way from the West Coast uh, to show your support. Um, guys like Bob, Ark, um, Dark Helmet, Bronx always working behind the scenes. I actually think he's in the chat, which is pretty cool. Um, Slick, as always, it's always great to have all those guys supporting wherever they are across the country, and I take note that I do appreciate that. Um, in regards to some housekeeping, as always, the ads are there at, like they always are, the donation button. I'm actually starting to get some donations. I will not state who did it, just not because there's no need to put that type of a spotlight on them, but the people that did donate, thank you very much. Um, your donations actually went towards the business cards and also towards getting us press credentials for the Comic-Con in October. If you go to the MyTakeRadio.com forums, you'll see the state of MTR address. That's in the forum section. It kind of gives a roadmap for the next two months the next two months on where MTR is going to be going. There's a couple of things that's going to be, that are going to be handled, and there's going to be a couple of new things that I'm testing out. Um, like I said, um, new forums. Right now I'm leaning towards the Simple Machines forum. For those of you that have seen the post in the forums, definitely check out Timo News. They use the Simple Machines forum. Check out the layout and the style and see if you guys agree to it. Um, I'll probably post a question as well in the fan page since, again, it seems a lot of you live on Facebook and are always free to comment on a lot of the postings on the fan page. And with that said, we appreciate that as well. We're at 173 fans. My goal is to hit 200 fans by the end of the month. 
the advertising campaign has been very successful. I feel that, you know, the, the right people are becoming fans. There are a couple of people in there that are a little suspect for obvious reasons, but um, nonetheless, it was appreciated nonetheless that they are helping to grow the, the MTR name. Also, there were some new posts done this week. There was a, tra- a couple of trailers put up by me. Slick put up a great trailer, and he also put up a really awesome editorial about what's going on in Hollywood. You should definitely check that out at MyTakeRadio.com. And, of course, share your comments on the site or, of course, in the forums about the articles. Definitely a fantastic read from Slick. Uh, there's a couple of things I'm going to be writing about in the coming weeks. I'm also working on a blog separate from the site, which I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pretty much link to my take radio, but it's going to be a personal blog just because I have way too much personal shit going on that I don't want to bring into the show. But um, it, it should be fucking just as ridiculous and insane as the show is. Um, with that said, that's pretty much the housekeeping for this week. Uh, here's a rundown of some of tonight's topics. There's going to be, of course, MMA news. It's a little light this week, so it's going to be brief. Talking a little bit about James Tony making his MMA debut. Shane, Shane Carwin's going to be sharing his thoughts on his loss to Brock Lesnar. What's going on with Paul Daly? We're going to talk a little, about, a little bit about Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about the TNA pay-per-view and about TNA in general. Um, also, the MPD numbers came out. Got to talk about some of the June MPD numbers. The movie news are really crazy this week. There's a lot of Marvel and DC news going on. And also, we're going to talk about Quasimodo and Tinkerbell and what they have to do with the movie section. Um, I'm sure it's going to definitely annoy a lot of you. Uh, one of them is definitely going to be a what-the-fuck news story, and the other is going to be like, eh, just another way of squeezing the teat. So with that said... Let's get into the MMA segment. First off, um, according to MMA Junkie, they actually have confirmed that there's going to be a middleweight bout between Michael Bisping and Yoshihiro Akiyama for UFC 120. UFC 120 is going to take place, of course, October 16th, and it's going to probably air on tape delay on Spike TV. Thus far, the rumored card is going to be Akiyama and Bisping, Carlos Condit and Dan Hardy, which I'm going to, which I definitely am looking forward to. Um, Hardy, of course, fighting in the U.K. Carlos Condit is just a fucking problem. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. John Hathaway will be fighting on that card. Travis Brown's going to fight Czech Congo. These are all rumored fights. Spencer Fisher is going to be on that card, um, as is Ciro Diabate. So overall, it's going to be a solid card, and of course, it's going to be free on Spike. So definitely something to look forward to in October. In some Strike Force news, they already started putting together their um, event for Strike Force Houston, which is going to be August 21st. Uh, King Mo, uh, Mohamed Lawal is going to be defending his light heavyweight title against Rafael Fajal Cavalcante, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, Tim Kennedy is going to be fighting Jacare. That's uh, going to be for the vacant, I believe, middleweight title. I don't have the notes in front of me for that. Uh, George Grigel is going to be fighting KJ Noons, and Bobby Lashley will be making his return to Strike Force. Um, to fight an opponent to, to yet be determined. Of course, the rumors going around is that they want to do a fight with Bobby Lashley and, of course, Batista, who is working two days a week with Cesar Gracie. Um, you know, Bobby Lashley has a fantastic athletic pedigree. You know, barring all his WWE and ECW shit, the, the guy's um, 
military, military trained. He's a you know, military class wrestler. He's got college wrestling experience. He's already got a solid foundation to be successful in MMA. What does Batista have? A belly button tattoo and some huge ass veins. Unless he's going to triangle choke somebody with a vein coming out of his arm, Batista fighting Bobby Lashley is going to be pretty much the, the equivalent of blowing your load with a hot chick in the first three seconds. It's going to look good on paper. The bell's going to ring. Bobby Lashley's going to decapitate Batista, and the fight's going to be over. That, that's really it. I mean, not to say that Batista doesn't stand a chance, but the guy's over 40 years old, juiced to the gills, and has zero professional fighting experience. Hitting motherfuckers with chairs and powerbombing people in the ring, while that is awesome to watch, don't get me wrong, a good powerbomb through an announce table and, you know, Jim Ross screaming at the screen is always nice to watch. But in terms of real fighting potential, the way I see it is you got guys that look scary and guys that are scary without having to be. Batista's a scary-looking motherfucker. But then there are those guys that, that fight for real. And they may not look super intimidating, but they'll probably break every bone in your body. That, that's pretty much how it works. I, I'm sure that when Batista was throwing out college students from bars in South Beach, he was a scary dude because they're drunk and they're college kids. But to, to really throw your hat in there and, and to have the audacity to say that, oh, I'm going to train two days a week for a professional fight, allegedly, because this is all alleged thus far, um, I feel that he's just going to get overwhelmed and he's going to get embarrassed. And speaking of crossovers, I want to segue into James Tony. Of course, James Tony is, um, he holds the IBA heavyweight title, and he's going to be making his debut in the UFC to fight the one and only Randy the Natural Couture. He was actually interviewed recently, and they wanted to ask him a couple of questions, per, per, particularly, of course, why he's in MMA and what he plans on doing. I just want to read some of his statements and share my thoughts with you guys because it really has the potential to open the floodgates for boxers to make transitions to MMA. But on the same token, I don't want it to become boxing versus MMA in general. I just want it to be um, good athletes looking for new avenues to make income and looking for new ways to test themselves. You know, don't look for the fucking quick payday and then jump out of MMA and go back to fucking blowing boxing and, you know, jerking off Don King. Because that, that's not how it works. If you're going to be in, you're going to be in for the long haul. And I think in James Tony's case, I think that once he gets the fights in and if he does well, I, I have a feeling he's going to continue just because he is um, so well-spoken. And first off, when he was asked, why did he come to MMA, this was his response, and I found it hilarious. The main thing is I couldn't get a fight. I'm the champion, and I can't even get a unification fight with the Klitschko sisters or David Hay. I was seeing everything popping off in the UFC with everybody fighting each other, and I thought, oh, man, let me try this. Then I heard Dana White say that MMA fighters were better than boxers. And I said, oh, pump those brakes, baby. I came in here, and here we, go, and here we are. When asked about how many fights he plans on, on doing in the UFC, he said three. His response to that as well was everybody said, I'm done with boxing. I'm not done with boxing. We're going to do it both. I plan on destroying everybody I'm, I fight. I'm pissed off because they're knocking on me, and they're not, doing, they're not doing nothing but making me mad, making me hungrier, making me stronger, and making me busy. When asked about the level of boxing and MMA, he stated, the fighters don't have a full skill set. But you know what? For MMA, they're excellent. Silva, St. Pierre, BJ Penn, who's a friend of mine, they do a great job. 
but come into the boxing game, that would be a big mistake. When asked about his opinion on how boxing fights differ from MMA fights, he said the following. In MMA, you get the whole card filled with great fights. If you've watched an MMA fight you see during prelims, everybody's asses are in the seats. In boxing, ain't nobody in their seats. The UFC puts together great fights. Rashad and Rampage and all that. And here we are with big fights, and you get to the fight, and you're disappointed. That's what I'm trying to do. But these Klitschko sisters, they're bad for the sport. David Gay is bad for the sport. Room, he's still doing his thing. I love Bob. He's a great guy, but he's, he's playing protecting the pussy right now. That's the fucking line of the night right there. He's putting a pay-per-view card with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fighting John Duddy, a Class B and a Class C fighter together. You'll never see that in MMA. The other night, Chris Levin, Stephen Bonner, the whole time, everybody was getting loud. That doesn't happen in boxing anymore. Now, in regards to, those, to his views, I've got to say, here's the problem with boxing. I, I don't mind watching people get punched in the face. I've, I've said that on numerous occasions. I don't give a shit. You know, nothing wrong with a little violence. It's the foundation for what this great country of ours was built on. But the fact of the matter is that boxing is really drawn out. They don't give you any incentive to watch the big fights because the majority of the undercard fights, maybe one or two are good and they deliver. And then you've got to pay all this exuberant amount of money for one fight. In addition to that, boxing is fucking crooked. There's 9,000 belts, 9,000 different types of belts, everybody's a champion, but nobody's fighting each other. It's, it's stupid. I've got to give credit where credit is due, and, and Tony made a great point. If he's a heavyweight champion for the IBA and the Klitschko brothers each have belts, why don't, he, why don't y'all fight and unify the shit? Oh, no, I want to hold my belt, or my belt looks good with my jeans, or my belt looks good on, on Hayden Planetarium's tits. It, it's absurd. It, it really is ridiculous the joke that boxing's become. And it's unfortunate because boxing has yielded some, some great athletes. You, you know, you got, of course, the greatest Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Manny Pacquiao. I could just go down the list. Floyd Mayweather, Sugar Shane Mosley, Floyd Patterson. Oh, I could go down a list of great boxers, but on the same token, you only see them fight once every five years. It really is some silly shit. What, what, what can you do? I think that it's really just the evolution of sports as a whole, and I think that boxing is really on its last legs, and you're going to see more boxers, especially if Tony's successful in his transition, migrate towards MMA. For those of you that were wondering what happened to Paul Daly after punching Josh Koscheck in the face after the bell and getting, fight, getting fired from the UFC, rumors are running rampant that Semtex is going to be fighting for the Bellator uh, organization, and he's going to participate in their upcoming tournament. As of right now, they're saying that the deal is very close, but it hasn't been finalized. So Daly will probably fight in Bellator. I think he's a, he's a good fighter. Like I said, he just got caught out there. When he was interviewed recently, he said, in regards to the sucker punch, he said, for me, the whole incident was, has become a bit insignificant. Before I got to the UFC, I was doing just fine. My name was out there. I was fighting top guys. Everyone's goal is to be with the UFC, and I feel I did myself justice. I made a mistake, but there's still paychecks out there. When asked if the UFC would ever take him back, he said Dana White is a volatile character. I think when he said that, he did really mean it. But I know Dana likes to make money, and I'm going to keep bringing in fans. Somewhere down the line, he might want me back. I think that, you know, you fight for 15 minutes. After the fight's over, you, you move on. 
you had ample opportunities to punch a guy in the face. I think punching him in the face after the bell, while it was hilarious and it was awesome, the fact of the matter is that, you know, punching somebody after the bell is fucked up in any sport. It's just the way it is, especially in a combat sport where you have ample time to get all that frustration out. I think that, you know, he felt he was, you know, a sore loser. I think that Koscheck succeeded in getting in his head, and it fucked him up. That's the way it is. Um, and last but not least, I want to talk about Shane Carr when they were asking him about his loss to Brock Lesnar. Uh, first off, on the loss, he said, I'm not making any excuses for that fight. Brock won the fight. He came out in the first round, and I don't think many people... He came out in the first round, and I don't think many people could have done that. And if I want to blame anybody on that fight, it's me. When asked about his body giving out on him, he said that his legs were seizing up, and um, you can he felt that he was a wounded pig when he walked out for the second round with a pack of wolves attacking him. When asked if he think he can beat Brock Lesnar, he said, I still believe 100% that I can beat him. Would things be different? I don't know. There's some exciting fights. There's some exciting heavyweight matchups, and we're only finally starting to get to them. Kane Velasquez and Brock is going to be awesome. Kane's a tough dude. I look forward to fighting him someday. Uh, Junior Dos Santos is in the mix. Roy Nelson is in the mix. And he said, I think right now the heavyweight division is the most exciting division in the UFC with all the guys and all the potential matchups. Honestly, I can't disagree with him. There's a really... A couple of years back, you'd watch heavyweight guys fight, and it was like watching fucking pancake syrup run down a wall. It was the slowest shit ever. Now you've got a new crop of heavyweights. They're faster. They're more well-rounded. They're not fucking gelatinous tubs of shit that take, you know, five minutes to move around the cage. They're um, high-caliber athletes. They're cross-trained in wrestling and stand-up, Muay Thai kickboxing, judo, the works. So I, I feel the heavyweight division now is going to get a resurgence. You've got so many great fighters in there that I have to give credit where credit is due, and I think that Carwin is onto something in saying that there are potential great matchups in the division. The man's not right. I mean, he's not wrong, I should say. I think that for Carwin, he just needs to really, uh, not to say improve his conditioning, because I think his conditioning was on point, but I'm more than sure he's going to find where that fight with Lesnar went wrong, and I think the second time that they meet, he's probably going to win anyway. With that said, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music, and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, and we're back. First off, I am going to talk about TNA's Victory Road pay-per-view, which was very good. I'm also going to talk about Raw a little bit, but let me, let me get all the secondary news out of the way. Um, for those of you that are wondering, where's Triple H? A lot of you probably don't give a fuck because he's fucking annoying. He's, he was actually out for a while, you know, dealing with some nagging injuries, and while he was out, he ended up having to get surgery to repair a torn muscle tendon in his arm. Well, steroids would do that to you. Uh, the injury was likely suffered while he was out of action. Odds are lifting stacks of money or trying to make more kids with Stephanie McMahon to solidify his place to, in, in, the, in the McMahon family. Other than that, his injury puts him out of SummerSlam completely because he's probably going to be out several months. 
it's kind of sucks. It kind of sucks just because The Undertaker's out, Triple H is out, Shawn Michaels is retired, Batista wants to fight two days a week. So you got John Cena, Randy Orton, and those are pretty much the guys shouldering a majority of the company. Chris Jericho and Edge are also uh, lending a hand in that respect. But Triple H, look, Conan the Barbarian, fucking He-Man, he needs to be involved somehow because he adds that extra, that extra tangible element, which, which means he puts asses in seats. Don't get me wrong. You know, him opening Raw every Monday for a fucking 10-minute monologue about how great he is and look at my tight-ass jeans and my tucked-in T-shirt and my well-gelled, lightly-layered hair is, is ridiculous. But on the same token, he's a good bad guy. And sometimes if you just keep him away from the belt for a little bit, he can actually help move along a lot of great storylines. I, I have, you know, my own issues with Triple H just because, you know, his, the, the rumors that he keeps a lot of the, the, the better wrestlers from moving up to the upper echelon for a multitude of reasons. Of course, you know, him fucking the boss's daughter to get into the family to solidify his career. Not a bad move by any means because most fuckers that were in his position would probably do it. But nonetheless, I just... You know, he just really has a funny style vibe about him, but he is essential in WWE right now because of the fact that he helps move shit along. So he's really a gift and a curse for sure. Um, I got to extend some congratulations to um, a friend of the show and, of course, a guest of the show, uh, Austin Creed or Consequences Creed from TNA. He actually won the uh, 2010 Super 8 tournament. If you go to GoCreedGo.com, you can see him holding the Super 8 trophy. So congratulations to Austin Creed on that. Um, I definitely want to try and have him back on the show to discuss the Super 8 tournament and, of course, wrestling and video games as well. And last but not least, for those of you that are in San Diego, of course, the Comic-Con is going on. And here's some of the WWE appearances that you can see at the Comic-Con. July 22nd, you'll be able to meet The Miz and Eve there. July 23rd, you can meet the Bella Twins, who are probably going to be fired right after Comic-Con because they're fucking worthless, and John Morrison are going to be there. Uh, July 24th, you can meet Chris Masters and Melina, and July 25th, you can meet Kane. I mean, out of all of those, if I were at that Comic-Con, maybe John Morrison and The Miz would probably be cool to meet, and Eve Torres. Uh, the Bella Twins are fucking boring. Chris Masters is, you know, he should be on the fucking Jersey Shore. So I don't really give a fuck about him. Melina's Melina. And Kane is just going to stare at you and look really creepy. So I don't know if, uh, if, you know, any of those guys are worth meeting. But if you are in San Diego and that's your thing, that's the uh, lineup for the San Diego Comic-Con. For those, for those of you that actually are wondering why Hulk Hogan hasn't been on TV on TNA lately, it's because he got back surgery again. The Hulkster's at home recovering. And Bischoff hasn't been on TV either. Um, rumors are because he's trying to just deal with some personal business, but a lot of rumors are pointing to the fact that Paul Heyman may be coming in to take over TNA completely. But, um, and, you know, of course, Heyman has his own detractors. Uh, personally, I think Paul Heyman would be great for TNA. He really knows how to, how to pick apart a lot of the wrestlers, and he knows how to find their strengths and help them hide their weaknesses. I mean, you've got a lot of guys in TNA that are great wrestlers and a lot of the TNA knockouts that are great wrestlers as well and are just terrible on the mic. Sometimes you just need to shut the fuck up and go out there and fight. Um, you know, that, that's what made Chris Benoit good. 
that and being really good with a pillow. But besides that, he really never talked much. He went out there and he did his job. The fact of the matter is sometimes less is more. And there are guys out there that are, you know, just, just really fucking terrible on the mic, and they they got to just wrestle and not say shit. That's how I see it. Now, this past weekend's TNA Victory Road pay-per-view was really good from start to finish. The X Division Ultimate Exhibition match with Douglas Williams and Kendrick was really awesome. Um, Douglas Williams really used a lot of ground wrestling versus Brian Kendrick's cruiserweight high-flying style. Uh, Douglas Williams ended up winning with a Cobra Clutch submission. Uh, the Brother Ray versus Jesse Neal and Devon match was kind of like the throwaway match of the night. I really didn't. I think it just helped for angle advancement, but it wasn't really relevant to anything else. So in regards to that, I think that, you know, it was all right, but I could have really just done without it. Um, the TNA Knockouts title match was good. Of course, Madison Rain lost the belt because, of course, it was career versus title. Angelina Love is your knockouts champion, and Madison Rain got helped from a masked woman in a motorcycle helmet and leather, which, for those of you that really don't give a shit, it's Victoria. She re-signed with TNA, or, or Tara, as she's known. So she helped Madison Rain, and in the, in, in the same token, you know, Angelina Love won the belt via DQ. The tag team match was AJ Styles and Kazarian fighting Rob Terry and Samoa Joe. Uh, fucking ridiculous match. It's just really awkward watching a dude like Rob Terry wrestle because he's really like a, like a British version of Batista. He's just a giant, juiced-up dude running around, and you got these little dudes like AJ Styles and Kazarian, and they're just getting fucking tossed around like sacks of potatoes. But the match was surprisingly good. The steel cage match with Morgan and Hernandez was, again, angle advancement. Very good match. Hernandez ended up winning via escape. Ric Flair made his in-ring return against Jay Lethal. Can I tell you, I think Ric Flair could wrestle a bag of dog shit that's on fire, and he'll make the match look good. I don't understand that shit. A lot of these young guys should take note. This old motherfucker who's going to die in there one day put on an awesome match against Jay Lethal, and Jay Lethal ended up winning the match via submission with the figure four. The only problem with Ric Flair is that he really is a lunatic sometimes on the microphone. It's like, woo, 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 the H boy, woo, started profiling, riding on a giant comet, oh my God, woo, I'm going to elbow drop a jacket. It's like, all right, dude, all right, we get it. You're fucking nuts. Thank you. Ric Flair's promos are usually best watched on mute because it's usually going to involve him turning really red, probably punching himself in the face, maybe blading and elbowing a jacket all of which no one gives a shit about. Last but not least, Motor City Machine Guns against Beer Money for the tag team titles. Fantastic fucking match. The Motor City Machine Guns ended up winning. Um, It was disgusting. I can't even describe this match. I, I won't do it justice, but I can say that it was match of the night, as was Kurt Angle versus D'Angelo De Niro. Another great match. Kurt Angle ended up winning via ankle lock, of course. Again, solid match. And the TNA World Title match was Rob Van Dam against Jeff Hardy, Mr. Anderson, and Abyss. Um, Rob, Van Dam, Rob Van Dam ended up retaining with a five-star frog splash on Mr. Anderson. Again, great match. 
really enjoyed the card from start to finish. They're really going about it a bit better. No Hogan, no Bischoff, no Old Siders, no Old Ass Nash, no Eric Young, no Scott Hall, who's still in the hospital, so I wish him a speedy recovery so I don't have to read about him in two weeks. And overall, TNA seems to be getting their shit together. I think the Heyman involvement is going to be a catalyst to help them move to the next level. It, it should be exciting to watch in the next few weeks. And, of course, the, to wrap it up, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. The NXT angle, of course, continues. It was great. I'm not going to go too much into detail. Can I tell you they've really gotten to the point where they don't even announce who the guest host was for this week? The guest host was fucking Florence Henderson from the Brady Bunch. Why? Carol Brady was the fucking host. Why? And you know what? She was out for one segment. That's it. So it wasn't totally terrible. In regards to the NXT angle, again, it's moving along quite well. John Cena versus the NXT is, is pretty good. Um, Sheamus helping John Cena out at the end of Raw was really well done. And the Evan Bourne match with Randy Orton was ridiculous. If you haven't seen how that match ends, go to the Facebook fan page and see how it ends for yourself. It was ridiculous. Randy Orton is a boring motherfucker, but boy was that end to a match ridiculous. So definitely a solid Raw not as good as the TNA pay-per-view, but definitely up there in terms of, of, of greatness. So we're going to take a commercial break, and we're going to get back into the video game segment right after this. The following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubborn Radio. We like news, we like current events, but we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. The BornStubborn Radio... We talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting. And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. <laughs> we're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Fuck's sake, man. <laughs> Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the music. Isn't Born Stubborn Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, in the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shits. Um, Rich, I love you, but I don't know what the fuck you just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shits. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, but PornStepInRadio.com is where you should be going right now. Here you get it! Have good mosh pitting! Another awesome commercial from the Born Stubborn Radio crew. I had actually been wanting to put that up, and for some reason it wasn't in my switchboard the last few weeks, but um, it fucking puts a smile on my face because the commercial is just insanely stupid. And um, you can catch... Uh, Blaine and the rest of the BSR crew at BornStubborRadio.com. You can look for them on iTunes as well. Also, I wanted to take a moment and acknowledge uh, Don Anderson's 50th show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, has celebrated its 50th broadcast this past week. It was a fantastic show. I've actually listened to some of it. His rant on Mel Gibson is gold. I actually wanted to do um, a little bit of, of a segment with the whole Mel Gibson thing, but Fucking Don Anderson nailed it on the fucking head. 
So check out Tumbling with Tumbleweed on the Blog Talk Radio Network Tuesdays at 10 p.m. or just get the archive show. Listen to 50 at least, and you'll see that he, he, he really killed the, the fucking Mel Gibson segment. God, God bless him, fucking Dottie. You're an you're a awesome motherfucker. And, wow, he said next week is 50? Shit, I thought this week was 50. That show should have been your 50th, even, even if it wasn't. Fuck, man, it was awesome. All right, video games. First off, Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy VI. Favorites among a lot of the gaming crowd that I know there. When you talk about great Final Fantasy games, a lot of people always say, yeah, 5 and 6 were some of the better ones. There was, of course, issues that they couldn't port the game over to the Nintendo DS because of technical issues, but it seems that Square Enix is is, uh, Shinji Hashimoto has a different idea, and he's been considering releasing Final Fantasy 5 and 6 for the 3DS. He said no decision has been made, Rather than creating Final Fantasy V or VI on the current DS, we want to take a look and see how the 3DS does, how it, inv- how it evolves, and then make a decision. The 3DS is capable of some amazing graphics. So while I would have settled for an updated port of the Super NES version, an updating graphics or even an art shift would be appreciated. In the meantime, keep your fingers crossed, and maybe it won't be long before you get Kefka in 3D. Got to give props to the crew at 1UP.com for providing that story. It's always... Um, it's always good to see some of those retro games just get dug out of the wood woodwork. I mean, I don't mind when it's done for the right reasons. I mean, Final Fantasy V and VI, you're talking about games that were on the fucking Super NES, for, for God's sake. So it's not totally raping and pillaging a franchise, but I'm more than sure that on the 3DS, if it's done well and if the art is redone, it, it'll sell a lot. RPG games do really well on the, on the DS, so I think that... Square Enix is just making a fuckload of money for sure. Um, in some E3 news a little bit, going back, they were discussing a Michael Jackson game, which, of course, were, were met with a multitude of groans just because he's only, he hasn't been dead a year and we're already face-fucking his, his, his carcass. It's like, can, can you just leave his name alone and just enjoy his music? Oh, no. No, we can't do that. No. We didn't do anything since fucking Moonwalker. But now, now Ubisoft, of course, wants to make their own game. It's going to be called Michael Jackson The Experience because Michael Jackson Jesus Juice just wouldn't have worked. Uh, The game is going to be released on the DS, PSP, the Wii, the 360, and the PS3. They actually released some details about the game. The Wii version of the game is going to be similar to Just Dance, which is also by Ubisoft. The uh, two handheld formats are going to be tap rhythm, similar to Elite Beat Agents. Of course, the 360 version is going to use the Kinect, because why wouldn't it? It's going to allow you to project a 3D image onto the screen, and you're going to be able to use a built-in microphone to do hands-free singing and dancing. So should be interesting. And, of course, the PS3 version, the details aren't super out there, but they're saying that they're going to have a microphone that's going to be used in-game for a separate singing mode. Michael Jackson, the, the experience is going to be due out in November. I really hope that all this money from this game goes to his fucking kids because they fucking need it. But I'm more than sure his kids will probably play the game too because they are fairly young. For those of you that loved 1 versus 100, Slick, I'm looking at you for that one, um, Microsoft announced that after two successful seasons of 1 versus 100, the game show will not be returning for a third. <laughs> 
Um, Dave McCarthy from Microsoft said, when we started on this journey, we knew we were creating an entirely new genre of entertainment that would be continually evol uh, a continually evolving concept. We were very proud of the 1 versus 100 team and their accomplishments and are excited to apply what we've learned to future programming. Microsoft adds that the team responsible for the game will now be focused on new projects that will be revealed in the future. So, with that said, the fact is, I liked 1 versus 100. It was very unique. It was great. There was a, a huge amount of people playing. But I did notice as the, as the season progressed, there was a drop-off for sure. But, again, it was very revolutionary. It was an awesome concept. And I really, I'm really hoping they look at doing something more mainstream. Like, imagine an Xbox Live version of, say, Jeopardy with, you know, the, the people, the, you know, live gamers playing and winning prizes on it. Like, shit like that would be awesome. Or you can even take, you know, mass, mass, games that have mass appeal, like who wants to be a, 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 you know, a millionaire and do that. Or you can even uh, take it back and do, you know, a pyramid game or something like that. You can actually, there's actually a lot of revenue to be made doing game shows through Xbox Live. I think that it would allow people to win stuff. Not only that, but it would give the service a lot more exposure I think that something like that would be fucking badass. And actually, I got to say that Vinny made a cool statement in the chat with an avatar Alex Trebek. That would be badass to just have like a little Xbox Live avatar of Alex Trebek just reading the question. And, you know, where you go into different queues and you can play and then the winners move on to meet in other tiered tournaments and then the final person at the end of the tournament gets like this huge-ass prize. It would be badass for sure. I think that they would make a lot of money. And like I said, it would just be a ton of exposure for sure. Um, again, I am sad, but I'm hoping that they actually, Microsoft is, is one for actually squeezing more out of an idea than they let on. So this may actually be applied to something that will be just as cool in the near future. For those of you that are looking forward to Dead Rising, there's actually been some news released this week about a special version of the game that's going to be coming out. Um, the North American version of the game is going to come with a, a, a Zombrex syringe pen, a prescription notepad, prospectus sales brochure, safety card, and 48-page hard, hardback art, art book. 360 owners are going to get an 83-minute Zombrex Dead Rising Sun film, while PS3 owners are going to get a Blu-ray with a making-of featurette and a brochure for an XMB theme. Both versions are going to run you $80. So with that being said, you're going to be able to drop 80 bucks on a nice limited edition Dead Rising 2. Do you really need any of this shit? Do you want a fucking syringe pen? Do you need a prescription notepad? Unless the fucking game comes with a chainsaw or a paddle saw, who gives a shit? How about I just pay my 60 bucks and just play the game? No, we got to do like an exclusive. you got to get, you know, all this extra shit. It's like, why don't you release a special edition version of the rape game that's out in Japan that comes with a bottle of chloroform and a rag if you're trying to make money? Some of these exclusives that come out are fucking stupid. They really are. And then, you know, and, and, and of course... Here's the rant for that. The worst part of it is that every fucking store has a different exclusive. So then they fuck you over and they really work you hard to, to make you have to buy the game at a certain store. It's like Transformers War for, War for Cybertron, which I'm going to give a brief review in the game segment. If you bought the game in one place, you'd get jazzed. If you bought the game someplace else, you'd get Shockwave. If you bought the game someplace else, you'd get another guy. 
It's fucking stupid. And you know what the worst part is? The people that got it and tried to make money were raping people hard on eBay to sell these bonus characters, which guess what? You'll be able to buy in an update in a few weeks. So fuck all you guys. Oh, buy the game at our store, and you'll get this character right away. Really? It, I didn't even buy the fucking game at GameStop. I got it from Slick for my birthday, and I'm hoping he didn't buy it at GameStop either. Because I actually ended up getting Jazz, I think, as the, as the exclusive character, so no harm in that for sure. I just feel that the whole exclusivity for games, if the shit isn't an incentive to go out there and really buy the game, it, it really is lost. Like when you bought the Street Fighter, um, there was one Super Street Fighter edition that was out. I believe it was a Capcom exclusive. You got a fucking gym bag. You got a shirt. You got a whole bunch of cool shit. You know, I'd fucking go to the gym with a Street Fighter gym bag. I'd fucking throw that shit in my car. You know, there's proof of concept in shit that works and shit that doesn't work. A fucking notepad that looks like a prescription. A safety card. I mean, the art book maybe would be cool. Art books are always nice to have. But these fucking gimmicks that they're using are just so ridiculously stupid. But on another note, let's talk MPD numbers. I enjoy talking about MPD numbers with you guys, particularly because they um, they always bring out some great conversation from you guys. And on top of the fact, it just shows some really crazy shit that goes on in gaming that we don't know about. Of course, last month there was a huge drop. The, the entire industry experienced a 5% drop overall. The numbers this year, I mean, uh, for this month, are down 6%. Hardware sales are down, and but they're up slightly 5%. They were down 20% from last year. They were down 5%. They were up 5% this month. The new th- Xbox 360, which, of course, I fucking show, you know, my, I got as a gift, w- helped actually move hardware, sa- hardware sales. They went up 132%. And the Wii managed to place third with the lowest overall improvement at 26%. Now, all these percentages, of course, are just going to water down the fucking segment, so I'm just going to shut the fuck up and get right into the numbers. First off, in terms of hardware, the, uh, a couple of games really came out and, and made major damage in June. Once again, Red Dead Redemption for the 360 sold 582,000 copies for the month of June. Super Mario Galaxy 2, still in the hunt, 548,000 copies. That's a fucking huge amount of of copies for a game that's significantly old. Red Dead Redemption on the PS3 moved 380,000 copies. New Super Mario Brothers for the Wii, 200,000 copies. Why? Why? Holy shit. I mean, it's a fun game, but... Really? 200,000 people bought this shit? Just Dance for the Wii, 174,000 copies. And of course, still in the, in, in the count is the Wii Fit Plus, Toy Story 3 on the DS, UFC Undisputed for the 360, Lego Harry Potter, and UFC Undisputed 2010 on the PS3. It's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous how... These old Wii games are still in there. I, I really want to see what happens when Metroid Other M and some of those other titles come out in the next few weeks. That I'm really hoping that they, they add some new blood to the MPD numbers just because the, 
not to shit on Mario, but it's like, come on, man. It's like, how much, how much Mario is, is really out there, and how are people still just buying this game for the first time? It's ridiculous. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk about some movies. Kai from Northeast Wasteland may stop through and share some of his wisdom with us. I'm more than sure Slick is going to have some stuff to rage about. Bronx is going to probably want to talk about Twilight. I'm fucking with you, of course. Um, we're actually going to talk about Thor, and I'm going to give you my impressions on all the pictures I've seen. And, of course, I want to talk a little bit about Green Lantern, which I'm going to put the photos on mytakeradio.com and on the Facebook fan page because they, it shows more promise than the fucking Thor movie, which is terrible. So I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to rip apart the movies right after this. Oh, hey, little girl, what are you doing? Listening to Tumbling with Tumbleweed. What are you doing, old man? Hey, should you be listening to a show like that? Mind your own business. Wait, huh? Hey, aren't you Johnny Tumbleweed? I certainly am, and thanks for listening. Tuesday night, live. On the Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some movies. Before I bring Kai in to talk a little bit about the movie segment, um, got to give a little, a little plug on some TV news, of course. For those of you that are fans of The Office, you know that Steve Carell is going to be leaving the show at the end of next season. Of course, there have been rumors going about, about what they're going to do with his character. And what a lot of people are saying is that Dwight may get a promotion and he may become head of The Office. That's what's being tossed around thus far, so that's what I wanted to share on some TV news with you guys. For those of you that are fans of The Office, Steve Carell is leaving, Dwight may get a promotion and become the new quote-unquote boss of The Office. So for those of you that watch it religiously, I'm sure it made you guys happy. For me, the one or two episodes that I watched made me laugh, but not enough to watch it as a whole. Before, you know... Before I bring Kai in, I just want, I need to talk about this movie without Kai or Slick here. And I want to talk about this. Gillian Anderson from The X-Files, a.k.a. Agent Scully, is joining the cast of Johnny English Reborn. Anderson will play MI7 agent Pamela Head, while Rowan Atkinson, of course, will return to play the role of the bumbling Johnny English. Oliver Parker directs a script written by... Hamish McCool. Filming is set to begin in September. Who thought that this was a good idea? Who gives a fuck about Johnny English? I sure as fuck don't. That movie's fucking old as shit. And all of a sudden now, for no particular reason, you want to do a sequel to it? Are you fucking kidding me? Who fucked this shit up? It's disgusting. It's like Johnny English, the original, came out in 2003. Fucking seven years ago. Seven. On top of the fact that if you look on IMDb, it only got three stars out of five. Who fucking co-signs to this shit? I want to really know who's sitting in Hollywood that goes, you know, I think people really want to see another Johnny English movie. You know, Master H, are you fucking kidding me? Master H says in the chat that Johnny English was a funny movie. Okay, 
let's, let's think about this for a minute. Funny. Fine. Funny enough for a sequel. No. Not funny for a sequel. No. Look, there's plenty of other movies that could be made that take precedence over Johnny English Reborn. On top of the fact, Gillian Anderson has nothing better to do after the X-Files than make Johnny English. Way to go, bitch. That just fucked up your street cred. It's like, really? Ugh. It's disgusting. It really is. I like what Slick said. Slick would rather see Friday 4, which is just as terrible. But you know what? It would make a shitload of money. And you want to know why? Because black people would be lining up to pay a fuckload to see it, interrupting each other throughout the movie, and yelling at each other. Yeah, I'm being stereotypical. I don't give a shit because I'm a minority. Fact is, why? Why is the main question? Oh, yeah, and smoking weed. Good one. With that said, let's, uh, let's bring Kai in real quick, and uh, I'll share the rest of the movie news. What's going on, Kai? Hey, what's going on, man? Of course, Kai runs Northeast Wasteland. You can check it out at northeastwasteland.com. Uh, thank you, sir. All right. Is, now, so you look like Mr. Bean, huh? You're fucking raging on uh, Johnny English, huh? Well, no. You know what the problem is? <laughs> Let me tell you something. No, I, I, I like, I, I, he's retarded, I like Mr. Bean. I, I, I like Mr. Bean. Bean. He's a funny motherfucker. You know, he, you know, one of my favorite episodes was when he tried to paint his house and he filled a paint bucket with dynamite that he lit, walked out of the room so that it can blow up, and his friend ended up walking in by mistake. The whole room got painted when the paint can exploded, and there was an outline of a guy on his wall. It was funny. It was amusing. And, and, and Slick, Slick is on, on a roll tonight. Mr. Bean is funny on TV, not funny on the big screen. You have to think about it like this. It's like, there's two, and I want to, I'm going to use a really crazy analogy for this, but it's like, let's say pornography. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's por- what? <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you where it comes from, and you'll laugh. There's I'm with you. Mainstream, there's mainstream pornography. Then there's pornography you can only watch five seconds of. That's how it works. It's, it's, there's certain movies that you can watch in the big screen, because, because they're, they're worth watching on the big screen, but a majority of them... You can watch on your fucking television. You can watch as a rental. It, it, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like there's, if you go to a movie, if you go to a porn theater to watch a movie, you're, you have to watch something super fucking ridiculous to make you go into a seedy porn theater and possibly get killed. Or you can just go to RedTube and watch the, the five minutes of the scene you want to see. You see what I'm saying? The instant gratification comes from the fact, that, you know, besides lube in your hand, of course, it comes from the fact that it's, com- you know, comedy movies are a real mixed bag just because a lot of them, they do so well in the movies, and it, and, it, and it boggles my mind as to why. I mean, there are some movies that are fantastic, and they're great, but is there really an, an allure to watch a movie on the big screen, you know, a comedy on the big screen versus watching yeah. it at home? I mean, in, in your case, do, do you feel more comfortable paying full price to go see a, an action flick or a really great epic or a big budget movie versus a comedy or do you or do you view them as the same? 
Oh, no, I, I, I totally agree, man. Uh, usually the only time I go into a comedy or a fucking, usually it's the romantic, gay, super gay fucking comedies with my girlfriend. But, uh, yeah, I totally, you know, I'd rather just watch it on Netflix and then get it over with because, like, quality, you know, I don't need to watch it on Blu-ray. I don't need to watch it on fucking 3D or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather go see Predators, for instance, right? I'd rather go see that on the full screen. On the big screen, rather. Than uh, watch fucking Mr. Bean being it up on the fucking... I don't know, it's just that, you know, because uh, what's the movie now? Like, 10 bucks now, right? Is that the standard? I know I know that's what it is here. I don't know what it is uh, up in New York with you guys, but... Uh, well, yeah, you know what it is? Fuck. It's 10 bucks in some places. It's fucking 12 bucks. You know, if you want the fucking 3D hand job, it's fucking 15. It, you know, if I'm dropping 15 bucks or 10 bucks on a movie, it has to be worth it. Like, yeah. put it like this. I want to see Predators, and I'm more than sure pretty people are going to be like, ah, you know, you can see Predators at home also. But you know what it is? When you got a fucking giant Gatling gun ripping apart a jungle and people screaming and shit, you need to see that in the theater just because it just, it just adds to the experience. There's just some movies like, like, I got some shit from a couple of people because they're like, oh, you should go see Toy Story in 3D and IMAX. All right, that's great. You know, I want to watch a three-foot, you know, a fucking three-foot-tall Buzz Lightyear for fucking 90 minutes and pay $15 for it when I can watch that shit at home. It, you know, it, it, it's cool, but it's not, it's not something that, that I just can consciously drop money on. You know, I'll go see The Expendables in 3D. Fuck, I'll even go see Scott Pilgrim, um, you know, if it were in 3D or on the big screen, just because those are movies that... They, they capture you with just a little, a little bit more that make you want to go and drop that money. Comedy movies for me are just, eh. it's like all these people, oh, The Hangover was great and blah, blah, blah. I watched The Hangover. I found it, you know, decently funny, but not funny enough that it was worth $20 when it dropped. And yeah. to, to deviate one second, I got to agree with Bronze. Buzz Lightyear is the fucking man. I love Buzz Lightyear. He's, he's actually my favorite character, so... Apparently he's uh, bilingual too. He speaks Spanish in uh, in Toy Story Three. Oh yeah, well you know that's that that's called hi. We're gonna make the toy speak Spanish in the movie, so you can buy the giant Spanish speaking Buzz Lightyear in Target, which I saw this week, by the way. Dude, that's awesome. Fuck it. You yeah, it's like you you touch it and he's like to infinity and beyond, and then you touch another button, it's like Buenos Dias, just so Buzz Lightyear, and I'm like holy <laughs> shit, what the fuck. Holy shit. It, it's ridiculous. Hey, I'm like, about IMAX, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Good. No, no, go ahead, man. I was going to say, one, one thing about IMAX, it'll bite you in the ass. Uh, like, when I went to go see Watchmen, yeah, that, that was fucking wonderful. Because I totally forgot in the comic book that Dr. Manhattan just loves to fucking stroll around naked. So, basically, three quarters of the fucking movie is giant blue cock in your face. You know. Well, pretty, you'll, you'd no. laugh. You'd laugh because... Me and Slick had the misfortune of also going to see it in IMAX, and um, same shit. We had to experience that, but, you know, the, the, that was um, secondary to the fact that I wanted to kill at least three people in the theater. You know, you had the couple that came in late, and they started talking, and I threatened oh. to kill the guy and his girlfriend. Then you had the guy with the fucking leg. You know, the people that sit behind you, they put their leg on a chair, it's like, oh, I don't I want fucking... your fucking, I don't want your smelly foot anywhere near my head, 
you cratchety cheese-eating motherfucker. Because he had a bag of cheese that he snuck into the theater with him, this cratchety old fuck, and I just see him nibbling on his fucking cheese, cheap old bastard. And I'm like, you're eating smelly cheese, and your feet smell just like the cheese that you're eating. You're not helping me. You're not. It's, it's ridiculous. You're going to have the crazy vet look, like what I do, you know? Anytime I'm in a public place and I don't want people to fuck with me, you know, I already got the beard, so I'm just wigging out and shit. You know, so people just look at you and they're like, you know what, I'm not even going to kick that guy's chair because uh, he might fucking stab me, North Korean style. Let me tell you, I yelled, I yelled at, a, at a group of, uh, and, and again, I, I, can, I, I can acknowledge race because I'm a minority. I yelled at three Indian kids that were in Transformers 2 talking at full volume to the point where I turned around and I said, I'm going to fuck your mouth with my fist if you don't shut the fuck up. Oh, that's, shit. That's, that's really the amount of anger I had. And then recently we went to see... What the fuck did we go to see? Ugh. We, oh, we went to see the A-Team. We go to see the A-Team and we went to a really shitbag movie theater where I thought I was going to fucking either get stabbed or robbed just because it was in the seediest... It, it, it was the most seedy-looking theater ever, and they didn't even pop the popcorn fresh. It came out of a giant yellow bag. Nice. But the fact of the matter is, we're sitting there, and, a, and, and an Asian family, there must have been like nine of them coming in. They're all talking. They're on their fucking phone, and the guy's like, yes, yes, I am, I am in theater four. We watching AT. I'm like, motherfucker, the movie started. You fuck. <laughs> You, you, hey, at least you didn't crash his Honda through the theater, you know. Dude, I turned around. My girl's like, yo, you're out of your mind. I'm like, yo, I did not pay this money to hear you fucks talking. So I suggest you shut the fuck up. So they promptly got up and moved to the front of the theater. And I enjoyed the rest of my movie. This is one reason why I just like watching the movies at home. I can pause it. I can go to the toilet. I can eat whatever I want. I don't have to hear those obnoxious assholes that, that crunch popcorn really loud. Because that's just annoying, too. It's like, close your fucking mouth when you chew. It, 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 you know, I, I can just rant about being out in public forever. Just because it's, 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 it's terrible. I really need to move to a, to move to a fucking deserted island because I'm just awful. And there, yeah, are a guys the, there are a couple of guys in the chat. Bronx is one of them. He'll agree. Um, Slick, Slick has been out with me in public. He knows that it's, I'm just that. I'm just a horrible individual. But moving away from the personal shit and back to the movies, Angelina Jolie actually did an interview recently, and they were asking her about why she didn't want to come back for Wanted 2. And let me tell you something. Her response was fucking perfect. She goes, when they asked her, why didn't you come back for Wanted 2, she goes, well, being dead makes it difficult. <laughs> You know, right, I thought she was going to say because she's not black, but, you know, all right, I'll take that one, too. Dude, she, she said it. Being dead makes it difficult. She goes, they were trying to bring me back, but I kind of feel that if I die in a movie, that I should die, actually. Not come back in some other shape, way, or form. I'm that way, and that character is not as complex as a character like Salt. I would just be doing the exact same thing in another movie, so that's not interesting to me. Now, I, you know... Angelina Jolie, she, you know, she fucking, she has a, you know, a Topps baseball card collection of kids that she gets from different countries and shit. But other than that, she kept it real. She's like, I don't want the fucking money. For what? 
my character, the bitch got shot in the head. I'm dead. I'm not coming back. So with that alone, she was like, because my character's dead, you don't need me anymore. Make the fucking movie and move on. And it's true. It's like, how are you going to do it? That the bullet accidentally went through, you know, the back of her head, or it was a flesh wound, or she fucking dodged the bullet like the Matrix. Like, unless you come up with something believable, she stood there, and the bullet went all the way around the fucking room and drilled her in her fucking skull. She's dead. Don't try and find a way to bring her back to get more guys in the theater, because it's, it's, it's going to just make the movie suck. She's dead, and that's it. Master H said that Angelina Jolie should come back as a ghost. You're out of your fucking mind. But um, she also talked about two other projects. She talked about Maleficent, which is, of course, based on the, on, the, on the Disney witch, which I think is actually a really cool character, and I think if done right, it would actually be an interesting movie, kind of in the same vein as something like Wicked. And also there were rumors yeah. that she might be doing a movie about Cleopatra as well, but she's actually excited to be doing Maleficent because Tim Burton is going to be involved. And you know that's going to be fucking off. Tim Burton is fucking... I, I, I fucking hate Tim Burton. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it right now. Just get it over with. I, I fucking... I hate Tim... Every movie is fucking bullshit. Fucking Danny Elfman <laughs> bullshit score. They fucking... Oh, Johnny Depp's in it. Shocking. And fucking... The guy... One, the guy got like that Lyle Lovett fucking Jufro thing, which I just can't stand. I want to punch him. He's always wearing sunglasses and fucking indoors. And... It's just, uh, no, I can't, I can't fucking do it. I'm sorry. I fucking hate that guy. Well, you know what it is? I'll, I'll tell you wh- what I like, at, what I like about Tim Burton, just, all I got to say is Tim Burton made Batman cool in 1989. You know, he made a Batman character that was complex, it was dark, it was gritty, it shied away from the 1966 Cesar Romero fucking... I have fucking eyebrows drawn on my cowl, Batman. And he, and he really started the I'm going to make a Batman a badass movement. I mean, don't get me wrong, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight helped solidify that. But in the first two Batman movies, I mean, other than Batman not being able to turn his fucking head throughout the movie, um, <laughs> the, fa- the fact is that he, he added a lot of depth to a character that, you know, already is very complex. And he... And he kind of fleshed them out and made it work. Not only that, but he did a great job with, uh, with the Joker. You know, fucking, who would have thought that Jack Nicholson would have done such a kick-ass job as the Joker? It, yeah, it, but yeah, I think that's more Jack Nicholson, though. And then, you know, yeah, but he, but he casted him, dude. You know what I mean? Like, the, everything comes down to, all right, who are we casting? The director has a say in that. You know I, what I, I mean? Know, but, not, you know, fucking Alice in Wonderland and fucking... The only, the only movies I liked from him was, uh, what was that shit? Fucking Nightmare, or what the, Nightmare Before Christmas. I, I, dug, I dug that, that was, one. That's a great uh, movie. That was Scissor Hands, Scissor Hands, I know it was fucking gay. Uh, what else is, what the fuck else did that guy do that I hated? Well, pretty he much did everything. Sweeney Todd. He did Sweeney Todd. Oh, see, that, see, I think that's where I fucking, that's where I had the aneurysm. So, I was watching Sweeney Todd. Or, well, I hadn't watched it yet. My buddy was like, oh, you, you can watch this new fucking Tim Burton movie. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, Johnny Depp's in it. And I'm like, all right, shocking. And he's like, he, he's a barber, but he kills people. And I'm like, all right, I'm fucking in. I can, I can do this. I watched the fucking movie. Yeah, my buddy set me up. He didn't tell me it was a fucking musical. So this motherfucker's yep. cutting hair, slitting throats. And all of a sudden, he breaks down a fucking song. And I'm like, seriously? 
so I'm skipping through, and I'm like, that was just a one-time thing. That's just because it's crazy, right? Oh, no. Whole fucking movie singing. Yep. Fuck that movie. Well, you know what it is? I think that he really likes to push the envelope with some stuff. I- I'm going to tell you, I can really say I liked both Batmans that he did. You know, this was before costumes having nipples and fucking, you oh. know, shiny outfits and, and a Batmobile that looked like... Dude, the, the Batmobile that looked like, like a rapid vibrator. It was, it was ridiculous. You know, everything was nice and simplistic, and it worked. And I like that. Not only that, Nightmare Before Christmas was phenomenal. Nightmare Before, Before Christmas, the influence of that movie, you still see chicks with Jack Skellington bags and emo kids dressing up like yeah. Jack and fucking all kinds of shit. And then, you know, you go into a, um, Edward Scissorhands, which was great also. It was very unique. Uh. You're killing me. <laughs> you, you don't. No, I, I, just, I, I just. I, I can't do it. I just. The, the guy just fucking. And. I, I, it's almost like the scene. It's, I don't want to compare him to Shyamalan. I'm trying to think of a better direct. You know, fuck it. He's like Shyamalan, where he's got that. He's got it. It's not that he has to have the twist, but everything has to have that look about it. You know, like you look at like Nightmare Before Christmas, or you look at Edward Scissorhands, and you look at fucking Alice in Wonderland. You know, everything has that visual style that you watch it and you go, yeah, that's fucking Tim Burton. And it's just like fucking, just just make a movie. You know, it doesn't have to be fucking acid trip, fucking mushroom induced fucking bullshit. Just make a fucking film. I don't know. I just, I, just fucking yeah, annoying. Well, you know what it is, and and I'm gonna bring Slick in in a second. You know what it is with that, and I'm gonna tell you, it's called merchandising. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Uh, Edward, as soon as you say Tim Burton's doing this movie and you walk into your local Hot Topic, there is a fat goth girl wearing a Cheshire Cat shirt three months before Alice in Wonderland comes out. There's usually, yeah. an emo kid in, there's usually an emo kid in there with eyeliner and his nails painted, and he has a Mad Hatter backpack because it's all about making it uh, you know, accessible to everybody but with a merchandising price point that's going to go towards that particular element. Because you ever notice that you, the only place you'll see, like, Nightmare Before Christmas shit is, other than the Disney store, is in Hot Topic. What, what is with Hot Topic? You know, it's still the fucking same. I remember I went in there, uh, Jesus Christ, like, a year ago, I think. I went in there as a fucking joke. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk into Hot Topic. I want to see how it is. Oh, you know, I was looking for earrings, because uh, apparently they don't sell men's earrings fucking anywhere. So instead of wearing the fucking faggy shit that got at fucking Walmart or wherever, I was like, you know what, you know, maybe they have some fucking area. So I go in there and literally, like, butts of high school came fucking rushing back to me, dude. It was the exact same fucking experience. They have fucking whiny shit playing. They don't even have the death metal shit, which I like. And they got some whiny emo shit fucking playing, fucking t-shirts on the wall, jewelry in the fucking middle. And, you know, I can't even squeeze through my fucking shoulders. And it's like... Yep, this is, uh, apparently I have to be a sunken, chested fucking emo bitch to even fucking walk in this place. And I just walked out laughing, because I'm like, wow, shit just never fucking changes, does it? Well, I'll tell you what, I have to give kudos, because they like, they do get some obscure shirts. Like, Hot Topic is the only place where you can walk in there and get a Deadliest Warrior t-shirt, and actually buy one. And in terms of video game shirts, they're really good with that shit. Uh, dude, I got a fucking Decepticon track jacket. That has the nice. the barric that has the barricade Decepticon logo on the back, and you know it says you know to protect and enslave. You're not gonna oh, fucking nice. find that. It, you know you're not gonna find that in your local Target. And you know we can shit on Hot Topic for days too. But you know what? We got a fuckload of movies. I'm gonna bring Slick in, and we're gonna get the rest of this party started. Slick. 
Yeah. What do you got, my friend? I know you said you have some, some, some rage in your veins. Please share it with us before I go through the rest of the movie segment. You said the magic word for me earlier. You said whatever the fuck his name is, Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> and... <laughs> I mean, it's like a tag team. Fucking tag you're in. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's like, he goes from one train wreck to the next. I mean, he fucked up Avatar, and now he's doing this shit devil. It's like 90 minutes of five people stuck in an elevator, and one of them apparently is a demon or some shit, or the devil. I'm like... Okay. That sounds good. Really? Really? That's it? Well, you know what? I got I got one for you. I think there's a movie, I think it's called Frozen or, or Freezing or fucking Ice Popsicle, whatever the fuck it is. And it's pretty much a movie about a group of fucking assholes that are stuck on a ski lift when a ski resort closes. I don't remember hearing about that movie. Didn't that come out already? <laughs> So, you need, so with you telling me that it's a movie about people being stuck in an elevator, you're not surprising me. Because this is, your editorial summed it up. This is what it's come down to. It's either remakes, reboots, 3D, or nonsensical shit. You have a movie, you have a movie, and, and I'm, this is where I'm going to bring up Mel Gibson. It's a movie about a guy and his relationship with a beaver puppet. Wait, what? Mel Gibson's new movie called The Beaver or The Beeb or Justin Bieber or whatever the fuck. It's his relationship and, and like, the, 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 the inner workings. It's kind of like being John Malkovich kind of, sort of. And it's about him and a beaver puppet. Does he punch in the face while he, holding a baby? Because that'd be awesome. Dude, I'm not, even, I'm not even joking. It really is absurd. It's like, okay... We're complaining about all this shit, but then nobody's really doing anything about it. See, we're doing, we're doing a, a small service by telling people, this movie sucks ass. Don't go see it. Hollywood's full of shit. You know, boycott what you don't want to see. You want to know why? I'm not a fucking journalist. I'm just an opinionated motherfucker that knows a little bit about everything and doesn't like some of the shit that people are actually getting their pockets raped for. That's what it is. So you know what? I don't give a fuck if people get offended. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck if a studio says, you know what? We don't want any of our actors on his show because he says that Hollywood is full of shit. Because it is. You motherfuckers are full of shit. Hey, do, do you want to talk about Mel Gibson? Because uh, do you think no, when he punched his uh, girlfriend in the face, he said freedom? No, he did not. Just, but you know, <laughs> you know what it is? We can, we can do a whole show on Mel Gibson. There's a whole bunch of mashups and shit. But, uh, again, I got to toss it back to Donnie. You got to fucking hear his Mel Gibson shit. It was fucking hilarious. hilarious. Oh, yeah, the, the last episode was fucking hysterical, man. I mean, yeah, but in, in, in shying away from that and, and kind of keeping it on course, I want to talk a little bit about, of course, Marvel. Marvel, of course, has a, oh. their hands in a, in a lot of pots right now. They got the Avengers Project. They got the Spidey Project. They got... You know, the young X Men popping off. They got four. They got they got all kinds of shit. And the first headline I want to talk about is the fact 
that Ed Norton, of course, is not going to be Bruce Banner in the Avengers movie, which, of course, gave away the secret that the Hulk is going to be in the Avengers movie. Duh. So, with that said, of course, Marvel put out the statement, and it said the following. Our decision is definitely not one based on monetary factors, but instead rooted in the need for an actor who embodies the creativity and collaborative spirit of our talented cast members. The Avengers demands demands players who thrive working as part of an ensemble, as evidenced by Robert, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Sam Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, and all our talented and all of our talented casts. We're looking to announce a name actor who fulfills these requirements and is passionate about the iconic role in the coming weeks. Now, yeah. before I before I, I get your thoughts on this, I gotta say this: when you look at the first movie at the Hulk, the Unleashed shit, where the Hulk was, you know, uh, he was basically um, a chubby strongman athlete. And then you look at the Incredible Hulk, where the Hulk was, to, to no pun intended, incredible looking. The fact of the matter is that, yeah, the majority of the movie is based on a character who really can be played by anyone. But the, the, the human side, that, that side that makes you connect with the character, is, is pivotal. And, and, you know, Eric Banner did a decent job, but Edward Norton made Bruce Banner, you, you know, you kind of felt... Not not injured to his character, but you kind of thought about the old Incredible Hulk TV series because he tried to play it a little bit like Bill Bixby played it, and you know he added his own unique twist. But he made sure his character was conflicted. He made sure his character was accepting of his gift and his curse at the same time. He helped you just look at it differently, and, and I you know I, I feel that he was great in the role he was given. Now of course, a lot of people were saying that he. He complained a lot. He had issues with the director. He had issues with the script. He helped rewrite the script, yada, 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 yada. But the fact is that he said that he was looking forward to playing the Hulk again. The fact is that I think he did a great job just trying to give the Hulk a human side. And you need an actor that actually can do dramatic roles well. Because for all intents and purposes, the character of Bruce Banner is fucking tortured. You know, yeah. just the way it is. Now, with that said, what do you and I'll and I'll, I'll toss it to you, Kai, first. What do you think of Norton not, you know, not being involved? All right. Well, I, I'm going to come in here guns blazing because this shit is fucking ridiculous. Um, so you know, yeah, fucking their statement that uh, he wasn't a team player and fucking it's not about money. Okay, uh, one that's bullshit because. You're telling me that Edward Norton couldn't sit down with Joss fucking Whedon, of all people, and flesh some shit out. You serious? You're serious, Marvel. you tell me Joss Whedon and Edward Norton couldn't have a fucking sit down and talk things out. Even if, even if Norton had some crazy fucking ideas. Uh, one, The Incredible Hulk, the second Hulk movie, was far fucking superior to the first one. I don't give a fuck what anyone fucking says. That, that first Ang Ang fucking Earthbender, whatever the fuck his name is, that first movie was fucking shit. When the fucking Gambit Dogs came out, dude, and started chasing his ass across the fucking Grand Canyon, I was fucking out. I was fucking out. It was Shrek hulking out. I was fucking done with that shit. Oh, Daddy fucking beat me, so I'm going to hulk out. Nah, fuck that. Now, the whole thing with, with Norton and the, the second Hulk movie, there was some kind of uh, issues with the script, because Norton originally, he wanted to have, like, instead of the Hulk going to Brazil, 
to learn, like, fucking, you know, jujitsu and MMA and breathing exercises and shit and how to fucking, you know, belly dance, he fucking, he goes to the Arctic to try to kill himself because he, he can't, like, can't deal with the anger, can't deal with who's in control. Right, and Banner, that's a deleted scene. That's a deleted yeah. scene in the Blu-ray. Banner, oh, is it? Nice. Yes, it is. And if you watch it and you watch the avalanche from him transforming into the Hulk to prevent the suicide, you see Captain America frozen in the ice. Ha-ha, uh, how do you like that? Um, so, so, yeah, so he has this scene, and basically he realizes that, he, you know, him and the Hulk are basically intertwined, obviously. You know, you can't kill one without the other. So he just learns to fucking man up and deal with it, which I think is, is, a, is a better fucking direction. Yeah, suicide, I guess, is a little fucking heavy for fucking Marvel. But you know what? You want to bring these characters to life, and you want to bring it into the real realm. And I don't really think it was that far of a stretch or that, you know, that they were going to push away the kitties to see this movie if they had, you know, oh, they're just going to fucking kill us. You know, stop fucking crying, kid. He's back. It's okay. So so you're telling me that this guy who wants to make the character better isn't a team player and that it wasn't for money? First of all, fuck Marvel. They're out of their fucking minds. Fuck Disney. Fuck whoever that phage guy who fucking released his statement or fag or fag, whatever the fuck his name is. Unfucking real, dude. And you know what, the, the idea that I was reading uh, on your, on the forums of you, and then also I was checking online, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, fucking, what was it, Mark Ruffalo, and all these other motherfuckers. You know what? Oh, yeah. If Marvel, Hold on. If Marvel wants Hold to on. be so fucking, oh. Not, not to cut you off, I, I, that, that's the second part of it. Here, here are rumored guys that, that are, they want to play the Hulk. Well, Bruce Banner, Joaquin Phoenix, Adrian Brody, David Tennant, and the one that they're saying is the closest to getting the gig is Mark Ruffalo. Oh. You know what? Just have a fucking CG Hulk. Like I said, the forms. Just have a fucking CG Hulk and then have a revolving door of fucking voice actors. Because if you don't oh. want to listen to an actor that's going to make it better, then fuck it then. Just make it Shrek. Who cares? Oh, uh, with, this is beyond so much. What, uh, what do you think, Slick? I think, I mean... I agree that it's bullshit that they're saying he's not a team player. I mean, I can't even think of anybody better than Norton off the top of my head to to play Bruce Banner because he's already played a character that has, like, a multiple personality disorder and did it really, really well. Yep. That's what I was going to say next. The whole role in Fight Club was, like, practice for playing Bruce Banner. Yep. And as far as as far as everybody else other than Robert Downey Jr. Jr., I wouldn't give a fuck who you cast for the Avengers because honestly, I don't need to see any of the Avengers. You can give me a ninety-minute movie with freaking the Incredible Hulk beating the shit out of Iron Man, and I put money down to see that shit. I put three D money down to see to see that shit because that's a movie for me. Oh yeah, but here's here's the thing, and, and this is this is where this is where you, you guys are gonna are gonna bug out. It, the fact of the matter is this: the whole reason why Marvel decided to, to to show that they had a bigger dick in this whole equation is because Marvel said this: who who's more important, the Hulk or Bruce Banner? And Marvel said, motherfuckers read the comics for the Hulk. Who is the Hulk? Oh, he's computer-generated. What do we need? A guy that will probably be in five scenes. 
And then it'll be like, you're making me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Uh, boom. CGI. That's it. Here's your five bucks, kid. Beat it. And the fact of the matter is that Norton probably was like, look, man, I made the Hulk my own character. You know, he fucking has my scar on his face when he transforms. He looks, you know, he, he, you know, he has my mannerisms. He's captured from my essence of the character. He probably said, look, you know, you, you got to give me a little bit more than me just being in the movie for three scenes and the Avengers fighting the Hulk. You know, I'm just using this as a hypothetical. The fact of the matter is that Marvel said, you know what, dude? Fuck you. Fuck your acting credibility. Fuck the fact that you made the character better. Fuck that. You want to know why? Because the Hulk is CGI. You are not him. If, see, if Robert Downey Jr. woke up tomorrow and said, Marvel, I don't want to be Iron Man unless you motherfuckers give me $80 million and a, and a, and a section of the gross. Marvel's going to turn around and go, you know what? You got it. Because without Robert Downey Jr., no one gives a fuck about Iron Man. I'm sorry to say it. I mean, he's cool in the movie, but he's just a rich guy in a fucking tomato can that shoots fucking laser beams. Who gives a shit? Nobody gives a fuck about him. Oh, he's an alcoholic. He has issues. What rich motherfucker isn't an alcoholic, doesn't like fucking beautiful-looking women, and has awesome cars? Name me one. He just happens to be a smart guy that invents cool shit. You know, of, of course Marvel's going to give him the money. If Chris Evans said, I don't want to be Captain America, you saw how hard it was to find a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white guy to play Captain America in Hollywood. Oh, my God, it was impossible. Sarcasm, folks. Sarcasm. The fact <laughs> of the matter is that, that Ed Norton became expendable as soon as they realized the Hulk is all about the CGI and not about the actor. And it's poor thinking on Marvel's part, but you know what? At the end of the day, you only want to see the Hulk. Slick said it best. You just want to see the Hulk punching Iron Man in the face. And you know what? For that, you don't need Edward Norton. Yes, it pains me to say it because he's a great actor. But the fact is, you don't need it. You don't. Yeah. You can fuck. I like what Bronx said. Bronx said in the forum that Bob Saget should play Bruce Banner. And I yeah, laughed, but you know what? He's onto something. You, you just need a scrawny guy who can say a couple of lines, be slightly amusing, and then just his eyes turn green, he falls to the ground, his pants tear, and he disappears for, you know, 45 minutes of the movie. It, it's yeah, fact. I, it really is I, fact. No, I, I see, i got to disagree with you, though, because any guy who was stuck with the Hulk, uh, the, uh, how do I say this, like all those shitty storylines, right, from the comic books, and then finally got up to when the Hulk and Banner learned to kind of coexist, you know, where it was half and half, where he would be hulked out, but he wasn't fucking super, like, fucking rage berserker. You know, he still yeah, had he was smart, smart Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Smart Hulk. And that's when the Hulk really took a step forward in comics, where he was the big brute, but he still had the brains, and he still could rationalize. And that was the truly, that was the most dangerous Hulk. I don't give a fuck what okay. anyone does. You can have the fucking berserker, you can have the barbarian, you know, going crazy, ripping fucking babies in half and shit. But at the end of the day, the idea that that huge fucking green motherfucker who can tear you in half by just snapping his fingers also can solve fucking, you know, world hunger and cancer, that shit makes you pause. And the idea that Marvel couldn't work out a way or, you know, with Edward Norton where they, they, because the Hulk, I, you know, I agree with, like, yes, the Hulk is the big green fucker that tears people in half. 
But on the same token, though, there's a wealth of fucking comics, and like we said in the last episode, they have a, a wealth of a fucking library to go back to. And the idea that, you know, they just want the big green guy who's angry and not the, the man who's suffering within is fucking bullshit. You know, and that well, the idea yeah. that they had Edward Norton, who's an actual actor and who made being Banner just as important as hulking out in that second movie... It's, just, it's so ridiculous to me, dude. Like, once I read that, I fucking flipped out. Cause well, it's, it's, here's, here's, what, here's what I want you to notice, and, and maybe Slick might have caught on to this as well. Let's look at the way the casting goes. You got Robert Downey Jr. He's the lead actor. He's the guy that's making a bulk of the money. As you go down the line of people in the Avengers, they're all good actors, but I guarantee you their pay scale is not the same. So think about this. Chris Hemsworth. If you look at Chris Hemsworth, he's a secondary dude. He played fucking Captain Kirk's dad in Star Trek. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you look at Chris Evans, Chris Evans is, you know, he, he's the poor man's Ryan Reynolds, you know. He's the guy you need when you want a pretty face that's sarcastic. And he works cheap, I bet you. You go down the list. Sam Jackson's probably, he probably got a, a shitload of money because he's the second actor that's, you know, uh, let, let's put it in tiers. You got a top tier actor, which is Robert Downey Jr. You got a secondary tier actor in Sam Jackson and Don Cheadle, respectively. Then you got third tier actors: Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson. All, you know, third tier actors. Not to say that their acting ability sucks, but just the fact of the kind of, of, of street cred they have, so to speak. The fact of the matter is, Robert Downey Jr and Sam Jackson were the two big dogs in, in, in the fucking in the tank. And Ed, Edward Norton probably came in, and they were like, look, dude, we're going to pay you whatever, such and such. And he's like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Which I'm more than sure, it, when you say it's not about money, you're full of shit, motherfuckers. It's about money. It is. See, I, I don't not, think it is about money. I think he would have taken the pay cut. I, I don't see why not, dude. He's already made fucking bank on everything he's ever done. Every film he's made, honestly has been a fucking success. Yeah, maybe not box office, but critical acclaim, the guy, we all know who, my mom knows who Edward Norton is, okay? And the idea that, that it was over monetary, that, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I believe more that Marvel is just fucking retarded than I believe that, you know, Norton wasn't willing to sit down and go, all right, well, I'll do it to scale, or I'll do it to fucking sagways, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, I, I just, I can't believe it. I, I don't know. Uh it gets better, and we'll cover some more Marvel stuff. Slick, anything else you want to add to this? Uh, just that I wasn't trying to count Norton out, because, I mean, I definitely believe Norton should be in there. But I see what you're saying with, like, an Avengers movie, how they would probably want to get rid of Norton, because, yeah, you got one dude you got to pay a shitload of money to. You got another dude you got to pretty much pay a smaller shitload of money to. I mean, you got to stay within a certain budget. And other than Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel Jackson, because much as I love Don Cheadle, I mean, in this in this sense of things, who gives a fuck about Don Cheadle? Yeah. Yep. Everybody except for Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson are 100% replaceable. As hot as yep. Scarlett Johansson is, they'll get another check. Yep. But you know what the thing is, and, and like I said, just, just look at the trend. You got, and not only that, you got the lead guy 
who made you the most money, and then you have untested franchises that you're hoping are successful. So why invest money? Don't get me wrong, The Hulk, Incredible Hulk was a great movie, dude, but it, it didn't set the world on fire. You know what I mean? And it, it wasn't even Robert Downey Jr.'s fault. It's just the way it was. You would have thought that an Incredible Hulk movie done true to the book would have been, you know, super box office money. But it was, it was, it was good. So when you take that into consideration, you also have to look at the fact that it's a you know, conversion rate. It's the quarterback that you want at leading your team that you know he can be 18 for 20 versus the guy who's fucking 5 for 20. You know, Again, you said it best. Edward Norton is a good actor, and he has critical acclaim, but he's not the guy that's bringing in $300 million for a fucking superhero movie other than, you know, than Tobey Maguire. Yeah, but when, when you think the Avengers, though, like the top three that come to your mind, who, who is it? It's Captain America. Oh, yeah. For me. For it's me, the Holy least, Trinity. Still. You know, I, I got this fucking tattoo to prove it, man. You know, when I was in medic training in fucking San Antonio, the first thing I got was the fucking Captain America shield on my fucking arm. You know, because that, that, when I was a kid, he was the fucking man, dude. You know, anybody that punches fucking Hitler in the face, dude, he's the man. And then you got Iron Man, who I really don't like for those movies. The movies that they've done, I like them. You know, the second one was kind of, eh, what are you going to do? But the first one definitely, you know, was just amazing. And then The Hulk. You know, yeah, somebody might say Thor, or somebody might say fucking, I don't know, fucking Ant-Man or some bullshit. But when you think Avengers, you think those top three. And I, it just fucking, just, you know, like, Ed, Norton would have brought credibility. Like, I, I don't even know how else to say it. Like, I'm not, like, just fucking, you know, arguing with you guys on just fucking on the point. I'm just, like, Norton would have brought, no, like, that credibility. And it just fucking, oh, my God, it's oh, I, I, I see. I see exactly where you're coming from. And, and, you know, like I said, your argument has merit. But I try to look at it from the fucking standpoint of the bottom line. And the bottom line is that you need a fucking quarterback that can convert, and then you need guys and a supporting cast that make the quarterback look good. The Avengers isn't about Captain America, even though it is, it's supposed to be. It's about fucking yeah. Iron Man. It's just yeah. another excuse to get Iron Man on the screen because Iron Man makes money. And people like seeing Robert Downey Jr. be a smarmy prick. That's just the way it works because it's easy. It's easy extending yourself an extra bit more than you are. That's not to say that Robert Downey Jr. is a prick in real life, but I'm sure he's... Uh, uh, an extension of Tony Stark is an extension of how he is normally. And that's usually yeah. the role that people like to, you know, to, ex to work the most on. And like I said, the Incredible Hulk is a character that it's all about the green guy. Yeah, they try to make Bruce Banner tortured and shit, but when you open a Hulk comic book, there's one page or two pages of Bruce Banner, then the rest of the comic is a big green motherfucker punching people in the face. That's just the way it is. But, yeah, I mean... It, it, what you said was absolutely correct in terms of, like, the makeup of the group. Yeah, the focus would be on, like, Captain America, then Iron Man, then, like, maybe Hawkeye or somebody. But in terms of a movie, it's Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel Jackson. Honestly, yep. people don't give a fuck about anybody else in the movie because it's, like, they're, they're back and forth that's going to make the movie. I mean, in terms of acting, the Hulk has zero personality. He breaks shit. That, that's all that he does. I mean, even though 
comic wise, yes, the Hulk does talk. The Hulk, the actual Hulk, had zero lines in any of those movies, really. Oh, oh I'm sorry, I take that back. He said Hulk smash. And Betty, and Betty, he said Betty, Betty. leave me, Betty, leave me alone, and Hulk smash. So you know, wow. those were his whole three lines. But here's here's a here's the last bit before we wrap it up and move on. I gotta tell you, if you want to do something different with the Hulk and you want to have an actor own the character of the Hulk, do a movie with the Gray Hulk. With Joe. Oh Fix- my God, that'd be Mr. Fixit. That'd be fucking awesome. If you do a Joe Fixit movie, guess what happens? The actor that plays the Hulk is gonna add a dimension to the Hulk character because Joe Fixit is the persona that's you know the hustler, the you know the dude that the con man, the the, the enforcer, the tough dude. He's, you know, he's the thing with the trench coat, but a lot cooler. You know what I mean? It's, it's that, that, if you want to add dynamic to a character, then do something different. Make him gray and do the gray Hulk story. And then try and see if it's all about the CGI or if it's really about the talent of an actor. That's what I say. Do a Joe Fixer movie. Make it in Vegas. Throw Wolverine in there. You know, just so you can add a little bit of mainstream credibility. I'm sure Hugh Jackson wouldn't Hugh Jackman wouldn't mind doing a couple you know, doing a couple of scenes for that. Motherfuckers yeah. will see it immediately. Especially if you make a nice little drag out brawl, you know, where Joe Fixit's at a at, at a casino, Wolverine comes in, he's smoking, he gets a little drunk, Joe Fixit comes up, Hey man, you gotta leave. Get out of my way, bub and you know, it's like it's like I'm gonna ask you to leave or I'm gonna make you leave and then, you know, Wolverine's like, You don't wanna do that. Boom, claws come out. Hulk punches Wolverine in the face. You know, you could do 30 minutes of just that because there's so much material in the Grey Hulk character that you don't even have to think about the green till later on. You could even make him change back into green if you want to be safe. But the Hulk is all about smashing shit, and you know what? You don't need Edward Norton to smash shit. I got to be real with it. To punch Tony Stark in the face, you need Edward Norton. To punch Iron Man in the face, you need a CGI Hulk hand punching him in the face. Period. That's it. Well, I mean, if the Avengers uh, does well, which, you know, I really, I honestly hope it does, because I really want Captain America to reclaim the fucking glory that he's had and lost. But, uh, you know, about the Hulk, I I would like to see the fucking maestro, and that'd be fucking sick. But I, I doubt mainstream audiences are even fucking ready for that. Nope. Definitely not, but, it, but but again, like I said, there's great stories, and we could fucking beat this shit up, but I, I want to actually get into this. Some box office totals for this week. The number one movie was Despicable Me, $60.1 million. Yep. Well, you it called a, it last week. Yep, it had a $69 million budget, and it already made $60 million. It took Twilight I mean, out, you know, the, the, the oh, llama, fa- llama Face and Vase Face dropped to number two. Um, it made $33.4 million. The film has reached $237 million in two weeks. It is the 10th Jeez fastest Christ. film that hit $200 million, and it had a budget of $68 million. Wow. So obviously, you know, that franchise has, you know, they're going to do the, the last movie, which is supposed to be in two parts, and it's going to make ridiculous money, and they're just going to cash it all the way in. Predators was number three, $25.3 million, which is pretty nice. The second biggest opening for a Predator movie behind Aliens vs. Predator. The film had a budget of $40 million. I'm more than sure it'll break nice. even this weekend. Thank Toy God. Story 3, 
dropped to number four, $22 million. The films earned $340 million. They had a $200 million budget. It's, it's probably going to make $500 million when you factor in Blu-ray and DVD sales. So, you know, that shit's going to be ridiculous. Dropping from number two to number five, The Last Airbender had a 58% drop. It made, 72, it made $17.2 million. It's earned 100.2, and it has a $150 million budget. Good. You know, let, let it die a fucking swift fucking death so we can all forget about it and get a real director to direct a fucking reboot. That, that's all I'm moving for at this point. All right. Grown Ups fell two spots to number six in the third weekend. It earned $16.4 million. It's brought in 111.3. The film had a $70 million budget, so I would estimate it's successful. Night and Day dropped to number seven, 7.9 in the third weekend. 61.9 overall had a $110 million budget. That shit is a fucking bomb. Jesus. The Karate Kid, $5.7 million. It's made $164.5 million. Had a budget of $40 million. It's a no-brainer. You're going to see a second one. You're going to probably oh. see a third one also. He might even fight ninjas. Who knows? Did you Number watch that one yet? The... No, not yet. Oh, the Karate Kid? No, not yet. Oh, it's bad. Let him uh, fight ninjas. Let him fight ninjas hey. at night. It can be black on black crime. There you go. <laughs> the AT dropped to uh, number nine, $1.8 million. It's made $74.6. I'm really bummed in five weeks. It had a $110 million budget. I'm really bummed that the movie didn't make uh, uh, as much money as I expected, just because it, it's surprisingly a good action flick. Considering it's coming from a TV show as the source material, it is surprisingly good. Yeah, that's, that's and, what I've been uh, hearing. It's, it's a really good fucking movie for what it is. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, not yep. that I didn't believe you, but, uh, yeah, all my buddies are like, dude, you got to fucking watch this movie. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, dude, it, it ain't no fucking joke. And the number 10 movie was this, a movie called Cyrus, which I have no idea what it's about. I'm going to have to check it out. And um, with that said, I got a couple of... Uh, here's the, one of the first what-the-fuck news stories. According oh. to the Risky Business blog, Paramount has purchased an original script from rookie screenwriters Willie Block and Jake Emanuel for a new take on The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It gets better. The script is said to be a high-concept action-adventure story that mixes um, original ideas with the original framework of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The plot is being kept under wrap by producers Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, who did Transformers, but it is said to be in the same vein as Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, so let me get, let me get, uh, let me get this straight. You want to do an action movie with a humpback dude who has a droopy eye. Your leading man is a hunt, is a dude with a with, with a fucking with a boulder coming out of his back that has a fucking droopy eye and like three teeth. He's your new action hero. Are you fucking insane? So is Forrest Whitaker going to be the hunchback? Or yes, you know, yes. Too soon? <laughs> yes, yes. Forrest Whitaker is the hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. Dude, it's an action movie. Why don't you just make a mo an action movie about a guy with no legs? Yeah, there you go. You know, why don't you make a, a fucking quadriplegic fucking action flick? Yeah, the Stephen me? Hawking story, but like directed by fucking Michael Bay. That'd be awesome. 
There you go. Stephen Hawking with a machine gun. I love you all. Yeah, like Machete. He's got it at the end of his wheelchair and shit. Oh, dude. It, uh, uh, I told you that was the what-the-fuck news story. It gets better, though. According to ashowbiz.com, Anton Yelchin is in the running to play Harry Osborn in the Spider-Man reboot. The yeah. site refers to IMDb, which mentions Yelchin is rumored for the role. He's up against... Oh, this guy's name is awful. Alden... Aaron Reich from a movie called Tetro, who was rumored to be on the short list for Peter Parker. IMDb's not always fucking right, but I think Yelchin would do good as, a, as Harry Osborn, so I don't see any problem with that. Moving on to talk about a story I talked about a few months ago. It's officially been confirmed that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to be joining Fast Five, along with Tyrese, oh, who's going to be in that. Tyrese is coming back. Vin Diesel is in it. Paul Walker's in it. Ludacris is in it. They brought back the Asian guy who died in Tokyo Drift. It's like, motherfucker, aren't you dead? Oh, yeah. Is this one, is this one supposed to take place before Tokyo Drift also? Because you're oh, still alive. Uh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess they hate Tokyo Drift so much that they have to make it the last one. And it, it, oh. I, look, let me tell you something. The Fast and Furious movies are a guilty pleasure for me. They're great car porn. The cars look ridiculous. And, it, yeah, the acting isn't great, but it's, it's, it's there. But here's the funny thing. There were actually some photos that were released for, um, for this movie, and Vin Diesel actually took the time to go to the gym and get bigger. And I'll tell you why. Because The Rock is playing the cop that's after him and Paul Walker. The Rock isn't a small dude. So if you got The Rock whooping your ass, you want to at least look comparable to The Rock. So, I'm not mad at the dude, but the fact that they actually dug all these guys up, you know that the guy from Tokyo Drift must be like, hopefully I'll get a call next. And they're like, no, motherfucker, sit your country ass home. <laughs> oh, I don't mind. You know, as, as, hope, as long as the fifth one wraps it up, I don't mind. Just, just you know, because they're bringing them back all slowly, and it's going to culminate to something big. Hopefully Fast Five will be the last one. And you know what? It's going to make a shitload of money because you're going to have all the little fucking punk douches that drive all their little rice rockets. Yo, man, we're going to go see the new Fast and the Furious, man. I'm going to go in my souped-up Evo 350C with my fucking nitrous tanks and my fucking shiny lights and my strobe kit and my fucking spaceship tires, and we're going to watch the fuck out of this movie. That's what's going to happen. I'm going in my lime green sky on TC. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm telling you. But in keeping with a lot of the comic book movie themes, Warner Brothers is saying that Jonathan Nolan, who's of course the brother of Christopher Nolan, will be directing the 3D reboot of Superman. So not only is it a new Superman, but it's in 3D. Um, it's not 100% that Nolan's going to be involved, but I will tell you this. They're saying that Zachary Levi from Chuck is, is being auditioned for the role of Superman. What? Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Listen, Chuck is an awesome TV show. The fucking season four is going to be crazy. Zachary Levy is a freaking scrawny, he's a tall, scrawny dude. I believe that they can fucking program Kung Fu into his brain and he can kick the shit out of regular people. He's not motherfucking Superman. Not only that, but... How is how is Superman gonna fight crime during Yom Kippur? Oh shit! <laughs> how's that gonna happen? What, how's that gonna work? 
hey, I can't come to filming today. Why? Um, you know, it, it's Rosh Hashanah. You know, again, not I'm not offending my, my Jewish peoples because I know I know plenty of them, and according to Mel Gibson, they run the world. But um, for Rick, I mean, you know, Zachary Levi. Let me tell you something. If Brandon Ralph can be fucking Superman, Zachary Levi can be Superman. You want to know why? Because it's called take your scrawny narrow ass to the gym, and we're gonna feed you. And feed you and feed you, Wu Tang reference, folks. <laughs> oh, okay, Mr. Man. He's and then, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to feed you and make you lift weights, and you're going to put on this fucking F, and you'll be ready to rock and roll. That's oh, it. So you're saying just because Zachary Lovey killed Brandon Ralph in season three of Chuck, he could be Superman now. I got Bingo! you. Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> there you go, a little insider reference. Yes. But, um, going through the rest of this. They were interviewing Kenneth Branagh and Joe Johnson about doing the Thor movie and the Captain America movie in 3D. Oh, God Guess damn what? it. But, uh, but here's, the, here's, the, here's the shitty part. Here's the shitty part. They're not oh, filming okay. the movie. They're not filming the movies in 3D. They're going to be shooting them in 2D and converting them to 3D in post-production. Didn't they learn anything from Clash of the Titans? Yeah. That, that shit does not work? People were fucking pissed about that shit. That's going to suck. It is going to suck terribly. Oh, my God. And my second piece of what the fuck news for this, for this, for this week's show, Elizabeth Uh-oh. Banks, think about this clearly, Elizabeth Banks from Zach and Mary Make a Porno, Elizabeth okay. Banks, again, listen closely, including you guys in the chat, Elizabeth Banks has been attached to star in a live-action Tinkerbell film for oh, Disney. Oh, God. Damn it. The film is going to be called Pink, and it's going to be a romantic comedy that's set to play off the mischievous nature of Tinkerbell. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. Another real porno? No, sir. (laughs) It is is 100% live-action Tinkerbell flick. Who who is she in love with? The Shadow? I I don't quite get this. I don't know, dude, but, uh, you know, unless unless Robin Williams is going to put on some tights and be Peter Pan again, um, it, it, I don't really, I mean, look, it was bound to happen, and it worked in, um, what the fuck was that movie? So the, the Disney movie, um, Enchanted, it worked in Enchanted, but, it, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, and, and you're making it a romantic comedy, it's like, it's like, <laughs> Way to go! It's like it's like hi. This movie is rated E for estrogen. That's Wait, so is that she is. gonna be regular woman sized or is she gonna be Tinkerbell sized? I have a feeling, and 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 dude, I, I I should really fucking write movies. She's gonna start <laughs> off little, and of course yep. she's gonna become big, and it's gonna be the whole awkward. I'm a transplanted fairy that's a giant adult and hilarity ensues, and I fall in love with a fucking accountant named Bill, and happily ever after, and he turns into a fairy at the end, and we fly away, type shit. I'm telling you, that's the script. I just told you exactly what it's going to be. Wow. Yep. There's your, there's your what-the-fuck news for this week. And your last bit of what-the-fuck news is this. According to the L.A. Times, one of my favorite directors, Brett Ratner is going to be directing oh. Abby Lerner's Hercules. Wait. Seriously? 
Yeah, Brett Ratner is doing a Hercules movie. Oh. Why? <laughs> He's doing a oh, yeah, live action. I, I, I wish Hercules. I had more for you, but uh. <laughs> Dude, Brett Ratner, uh, Brett Ratner is put it like this: If Chris Evans is a poor man's Ryan Reynolds, Brett Ratner is a B-rated Michael Bay. Yeah, it's damn, that's fucked up. It is, but think about it. When you watch a Brett Ratner movie, what? As, just let's watch the Rush Hour movies. It's gonna be racial jokes. Height jokes, black jokes, Asian jokes, making fun of Asian driving, uh, transplanted into an awkward place, don't touch my radio, Chris Tucker, being, Chris Tucker having a chubby face, Chris Tucker dressing in some pimp-ass suits and driving a cool car, and Jackie Chan fucking everybody up while Chris Tucker goes, oh my God, they're going to fuck my ass up. Do something, Jackie, quick. That's what that is. So, again, it's the same formula for every one of his movies. So Michael Bay's formula is, I blow shit up. Brett Ratner's formula is, racial jokes. That's it. it Brett Ratner's going to do a movie about Hercules. I guarantee you it's going to be some crazy shit where Hercules ends up in modern times and he's going to have to fight somebody and yada, 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 and more hilarity ensues. That shit's been done before. It's called Hercules in New York. With fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Look oh that bitch God. up on that. Hey, Di- Di's got a good point in the chat. Is it Marvel Hercules, or is it, uh, like, mythology? It's, Her- it's Hercules. It's Hercules, Hercules. It's fucking Kratos killing Hercules. That Hercules. Okay, all right. So is he going to fight the Kraken, or is that the wrong mythology? I, I don't know, dude. Well, you know, you know what the funny thing is? If, if they go and make it... Here's what happens. When you look at these movies like Hercules, Clash of the Titans, everybody wants to do it like the 300. Yeah. You know? So if they, if they do it like 300 and you make Hercules do the labors and fight the Nemean lion and fight the Hydra and shit, and you make it bloody and kind of cool and R-rated, then yeah. If you fucking make Hercules end up in Queens and he lives in Astoria... And, you know, he's trying to fucking buy Savlaki and he doesn't know what it is. And he goes to the Bronx Zoo and tries to kill a lion. That's going to fucking suck. Yeah. I, that's, make Dave Chappelle yeah. his sidekick. <laughs> what, you, what was that? Make Dave Chappelle his sidekick. Of course. you got to make Dave Chappelle his sidekick. Nigga, don't you know you can't go in there and kill no lions in the zoo? Don't you know? Just make sure he's not on the airplane or all the, out of the ground, that shit. Oh, yeah, because, you know, Dave Chappelle can't shit in a normal toilet. There's a poor people's toilet. I can't shit in here. It's going to be cold. Exactly. You know, it, 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 it's hilarious, but it, it gets better. The last oh, no. bit of news is, of course, we got to talk some X-Men casting news. Uh, oh. Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon is, has been signed oh, yeah. on to play a villain in X-Men. Everybody's trying to figure out, oh, what villain can he be? I, I can almost feel the fact that Kevin Bacon is going to play Mr. Sinister. That's exactly who I was thinking. Yeah, he got the long sense. face. He can, he can do Mr. Sinister. He can even do the Shadow King. I mean, you can go Black Tom Cassidy, but that's real obscure. But you can do Sinister or the Shadow King with the movie ending with Professor X in the wheelchair. But odds are it's either Shadow King or Sinister. 
Because if Magneto's oh, already in it, or what? Well, I, I, I put Lucifer, you know, the guy who breaks uh, fucking Xavier's back. Because I'm like, you know what, I might as well just make it as outlandish and fucking, you know, obscure as I can. Wait, well, you, yeah, you but, really think Sinister, though? Well, no, you know what it is? Lucifer you can go with, but when you go into, into Xavier's, um, his origin, the Shadow King is pivotal because he appears in more books. Well, that's the Africa thing, right, with Storm? Right? Well, that's, the, uh, yeah, that, that's part of it. And also, you know, if you want to pull a little bit from the cartoon, the Shadow King was involved in him being in a wheelchair. So you can go a couple of different well, ways. Yeah, you can, go the, you can go the Lucifer route, but it's obscure. But Sinister works, especially if you do them right. And you kind of use, if you've ever seen Ultimate X-Men, the Mr. Sinister in Ultimate X-Men is like a tatted up dude. And he has fucking, you know, he has like a glowing jewel that, that only appears when he uses his powers. Shit like that is pretty cool. But I think if you're going with regular Marvel Mr. Sinister, Kevin Bacon can do it. Just don't give him the, the crazy blue shit with the fucking, with the confetti cape. Because that's not going to translate well into screen. <laughs> Well, I mean, my thing is, like, and, you know, Donnie's saying in the Hellfire Club, I, I think he'll more than likely be Black Tom just because of Emma Frost is in it. But the, the chronology right. of having Mr. Sinister in there makes no fucking sense to me. Because while Mr. Sinister, there is a, um, all right, quick aside. So basically, Mr. Sinister comes around, and basically Mr. Sinister is like the imaginations of a, a kid who's deeply fucking troubled. That's why Mr. Sinister looks fucking... Baggy is all hell. He looks like a, a, a clown strung out in heroin. It's because that's what the kid that was haunting him in his nightmares. So basically, what he personified in his dreams became the Mister Sinister Avatar per se. Okay. So basically, there was this plot where he got Scott Summers and uh, I think it was Sheen Gray together, and basically he made um, out of that came Cable or like yep. uh, well, his the son was called Nathan. But because yep, of Marvel, that whole uh, time travel storyline is such fucking bullshit. Basically, he became Cable, and then the whole future thing with Apocalypse and all that other bullshit. So the the chronology is there, kind of, but it it doesn't make sense to me why they would just throw Mister Sinister in there. I mean, I know he's a colorful character, you know, but like I, I'd rather see Black Tom, honestly. Well, you know what it is. You can go the route of setting up the Hellfire Club, but let's be real. The, Hell, the Hellfire Club is just a fucking country club of fucking supervillains. And, oh, we yeah. run the world and sip tea, and I wear a cummerbund and a fucking frilly shirt, and I have my hair in a ponytail, and my name is Black Tom, but I'm white. <laughs> yeah, but, but you have an evil team right there, though, for the, this new X-Men to come up against. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you do, you know? but you know what it is? And you're right, but you know what it is? When you start doing group-on-group group fighting in, <laughs> in, in comic book movies... The fact is that uh, you lose out on a lot of fleshing out of characters by going one-on-one and then kind of throwing in, like, th- you got to look at it like this. This particular movie is going to be the origins of Magneto and Professor X. It's obvious that towards the end of this movie, Magneto is going to become the villain because there's going to be something that's going to alter the fucking landscape, and he's going to be like, you know what, Professor X, fuck you. I want to kill some humans, and that's that. And... There has to be a catalyst in there. And I think by going with Sinister, yeah, you're changing up the storyline and you're not going in chronological order. But when the fuck have comic movies been completely fucking accurate? Let's be real. 
No, I mean, you, you, you got a valid point there because then you can have them all collect and gather together as a team to fight the one obstacle, you know, who happens to be Mr. Sinister or, or that lone villain. Like, that, that yep. totally makes sense, you know, if you're building the team from the start. Um, yep. But you know, the thing is, too, like... I, I, and here's, here's an interesting... <laughs> Here's an interesting spin on the story. According to the Heat Vision blog, Jennifer Lawrence, you guys can look her up, has signed on to play Mystique. See? So mm. now when you throw Mystique in the, in the picture, yeah, yeah. It, it, adds, it adds Sinister. See, that's why I wanted to add that in there, because Mystique is always with Sinister, who is always with Apocalypse. And you know that's the fucking setup. That's the big yeah. get. The, the big get isn't so much you know, McAvoy and Fassbender and Alice Eve or any of these characters, the big get is going to be Apocalypse because it's never been done. You know, it's like when they were talking about, oh, we got to put the Sentinels in the X-Men movie. You know, boom. They threw that in the, in the Danger Room sequence. Here are your fucking Sentinels. Shut the fuck up, you know? You yeah. have to look at it from the standpoint that they always want to do some extra shit where it's never been done, because that's what Hollywood wants to do. It's like, all right, we're going to do something so awesome, it's going to blow everybody's mind. And either it works or it doesn't. It's like Transformers 3. You know that, the, that, that, that Michael Bay, bigger is better. The only thing yeah. bigger than fucking The Fallen is Unicron. So yeah. that it, it, it's almost uh, at least 50-50 that we'll see Unicron in the next Transformers movie. Because that's yeah. just the way shit works. Well, yeah, I, I got my point from last time. <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, you know, Xavier in, uh, like I was talking, you know, a couple episodes ago about Superman and how it's the story of a Jewish immigrant. Uh, Xavier and uh, Magneto, it's actually Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King. Um, a lot of people don't get that, but, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, I'm not going to go all geeky, but uh, fuck it, I am. It is obvious, you know, because Malcolm X is, you know, we're going to change their hearts and minds by fucking force. You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, and summing up this guy's, you know, life into a couple sentences. But then you have Xavier, who's, also, uh, who's Martin Luther King, who's like, no, peaceful protest, we're going to learn to coexist, and one way or another, you know, the humans are just going to deal with us. And hopefully with this movie, they really dig to the root, root of that, you know, you know, Xavier being, you know, the pacifist that he is, but then on the same token, you have Magneto, you know, opposite end of the spectrum, who's, you know, the guy suffered, he's been in a fucking concentration camp, he's a little fucking pissed off at humanity, you know, I hope they go that route. And like you said, you know, having that next big villain around the corner definitely helps, because, I mean, who, who else are you going to get besides the first mutant, you know, Apocalypse? You might as well have him chilling in the back, you know, end on the cliffhanger of like, hey, motherfuckers, I'm coming up in the next movie. I, I agree. I mean, going with, going with Apocalypse is going to be a given, and, and there is a setup there. And by going back and starting from the youth, from the from the youth, the fact of the matter is, young X Men can can really set the tone for a couple of movies because you got young talent. You're not paying them a lot, and on top of the fact, you sign them for long term contracts and they grow into the roles. The only established actor, honestly, I mean, Fassbender's established as Magneto, and he's okay. But James McAvoy is your big get in that movie, and he can't be making, yeah. you know, Hugh Jackman money. You know, he's probably making good money, but it's not all. So, you know, they have, they have kind of money to play with where they can bring in a whole bunch of younger, you know, younger talent because they work cheap. And not only that, you sign them on for a couple of, for a couple of films, and boom, you've got a complete guaranteed franchise with, 
young X-Men. I mean, and, and Donnie said you got Cyclops, Beast, Iceman, Angel, and Marvel Girl. Those were pretty much the staple X-Men members. Of course, they're not going to follow script. And, you know, there's probably, you know, like Mystique is probably going to be in there in some shape, way, or form. And she's not going to, her, her story is not going to be applicable to being part of the new, you know, being part of, a, of an organization. She's probably going to be a student at the school or a friend of Magneto's, you know, because they're going to go that route. Yeah. Well, um, just cutting you for a second. I'm looking, I'm looking up the X-Men First Class casting right now. I mean, it says rumored, but the last person they have on tap for Mystique is some chick named Amber Heard, who was the, um, she was a chick from Room 406 in Zombieland. Right. She was, but they, they, they ended up giving, um, they ended up giving the White Queen role to Alice Eve from, um, what the fuck is that new movie? Some teen angst movie that she was in. Oh, well, yeah, you're for, for Emma Frost, she, Alice Eve is cast for Emma Frost, but the rumored casting for Mystique is Amber Heard. Right. And, well, the, if, if, she, uh, if which is Ty, Tom Flynn, is that who it is? And right, is it, actually, the older girl? No, she was in, in the girl. She was a zombie in 406. Oh, okay. And there is actually more likelihood to for Black Tom than than um Mr. Sinister because they have a dude cast for Banshee. Right. Yeah. And okay. Black Tom is his brother. Yeah. Aha. And I think there might be a casting also for Havoc, if I'm correct. Yeah. That, that's Alex Summers, right? Huh. Yeah, Alex Summers is, is is havoc. You know what? You're you're right, man. You're right. It's like if Banshee's in it, then Kevin, then Bacon could be Black Tom. But but again, it just goes to Black Tom isn't really like a main dude. Like like there has to be more to it. Like on paper, yeah, we can assume Black Tom because you're right. You know, Banshee's in it. It's only right that Black Tom is in it. But then if Black Tom is in it, you know, why not put Juggernaut in it? You know, because if they're all young, Professor X knew Juggernaut. You know, they were their stepbrothers, so they were together. You know, except Professor X didn't put his balls on Juggernaut's drum set. But um, they, you know, <laughs> nice. they, they were they were stepbrothers. So it's it's weird because there's so many ways they can go. And you know what's funny? We can actually pick this shit apart, and we can probably figure it out. But you got to look at it like this: if Bacon does go Black Tom, let let's let's play it like that. If Kevin Bacon plays Black Tom. And you got all these other characters. It, it, it's so weird referring to Kevin Bacon as a black Tom because it just makes me want to say Uncle Tom. But the, the <laughs> fact, you know, think about it. With if he if that's your your villain, do you see any real incentive to give a fuck about this uh, uh, to give a fuck about this movie? Yeah, I do. I mean, just just going back to what I said about the whole Martin Luther versus. Uh you know, fucking Malcolm X, I want to see if, if they can pull this off in the movie and actually make you care about what these two guys stand for. You know, not the fact okay. that, you know, Xavier can fucking reach out and touch you when you're sleeping and fucking Magneto can, like, lift police cars like it's going on a fucking style. Like, I want to see the minds behind the powers. You know, I want to see right. the actual men that are actually thinking and trying to change things either for the better or, well, they're both trying to change things for the better, but in very 
you know, stark contrast to each other. You know, I want to see that. And honestly, man, I could give a lot less who the villain is. Honestly, the, the villain could be a pudding cup. I don't even give a shit. If they can develop those two characters, like I know they have the library and the reference to, then, you know what, I, I could give a fuck less who they're, uh, you know, going okay. up against. That's, that's why I think the Hellfire Club, honestly, yeah, you know, um, Kevin Bacon, you know, Black Tom all day, all night, okay, I whatever. But the Hellfire Club, they're just disposable. You know, the only reason why Black Tom has maintained, like, a uh, quote-unquote career or he's been a mainstay in Marvel is just because he, he, he tends to be the guy pulling the strings in the background. You know, he's got his hand on everything. You know, that's why he's truly dangerous is because he's manipulating all these, mother, you know, all these motherfuckers and attacking you from all sides. But, you know, they're just the, the Hellfire Club as a whole it, it's just Black Tom and Emma Frost. And Emma Frost is the, you know, is she the dangerous one? It's Black Tom. And honestly, that's all it is. They're just fucking disposable. So if, the, if this new team of X, or the original team of X-Men, can just beat their fucking ass for two hours, but then we get Ma- uh, Magneto versus Xavier, fuck it. I'll, I'll take it, too, honestly. There you go. Yeah, what well, about you? What about uh, you, Slick? My whole thought high at all, because there have been four X-Men movies already, and only one of them was watchable, in my opinion. Oh. No. <laughs> Even Wolverine wasn't that great. That was the only oh, one that was watchable. Movie. The actual X Men movies were shit. All oh, three okay. of them. All right. This well, is the first well, time I'm going to disagree with you. Well, you know what? X Men one and two were shit, but fucking Wolverine was good. I said it was watchable. I didn't say it was a good X Men movie. It was a decent movie. It was not a good X Men movie. Oh, I'll tell you, Deadpool shot lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> okay, all right. I I under I understand I understand where you're going with it, and and I, here's how I see it. And you know, we we can beat this shit to death too. But I'll, but I'll put it like this: when I'm you sorry. look at when you when you look at the at, at the at, at the Marvel universe, when you put all the movies on a scale, you have your first tier movies, which are X Men and Spider-Man. Everything else is second tier. And the fact of the matter is that for the Spider-Man movies, the first one was good, the second one was better, the third one was shit. Oh, my when God, you, yeah. you, When you go the X-Men route, it falls into a similar trap. The first one was solid. The second one kind of no, stepped in a decent... You don't think... Well, the, I'll, I'll tell you why probably you probably thought the first one sucked. That was just because they tried to... Well, they tried to do too much, too bad. You're killing me. <laughs> you're, you're, fucking, you're killing me, man. You're fucking just twisting but, the fucking you knife. Know, well, you know what? But before I even get your opinions on it, I, I, I'm going to single you out first. Like, which out of all of them, I'm assuming you liked the second one. The second what? The second X-Men movie, right? The second X-Men movie had a watchable scene, which is freaking oh. Logan <laughs> versus Lady oh Deathstrike, and that's it. The movie okay. was, it was visual feces. Okay, but then you obviously like the third one. No comment. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, uh, here, here's a joke for you. Brett Ratner did the third one. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember that. Aha. Uh-huh. So, here's, here's, here's how I'm going to see it. And 
And Slick's entitled to his opinion. You know, he's, no, no, I, I, I know. He's fucking killing me. And I, and, and, I re- and I respect him for it, but I'm going to tell you like this. The X-Men films collectively were marginal. The first one to me, to me, was good and bad for two reasons. Number one, Magneto's fucking helmet looked like a salt shaker. And it bugged me the fuck out. You know, oh you know, you, you know the salt shaker that you squeeze the the, the two black handles and salt <laughs> salt out. And I couldn't help looking at it, and I'm like, your helmet looks like shit, and I want to kick it off your fucking head. We'll start with I'll that. Blow you, I'm gonna blow your minds right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 because I know, I know you have gold. I know you have gold in your shorts, but you gotta hear this. The fact, the fact, the fact that the, the fact of the matter is, dude, that. <laughs> the only thing that helped make the first X-Men movie good was the chemistry between Wolverine and Cyclops. That was it. Anything else was, okay, we're going to stick to the comic book, but it, it's just to make the fans happy. The second movie uh, actually got a little bit more ahead of itself because you had Colossus in there, you had Wolverine fucking killing people, which is what you needed. Um... You know, Nightcrawler was very well done. He was a very deep character, which I liked. And the, the only thing I didn't like was that the bad guy was a fucking chubby guy with glasses. I didn't like that. At the end of the day, he was the real bad guy. Yeah, Magneto was in there. and Bob, The real bad guy was a fucking chubby guy with glasses and a lady with a bad fucking nail job. You know, I mean, Lady Deathstrike is cool, but let's, let's be fucking real. It, it, it's a bitch with Lee Press on nails trying to whoop, at, whoop Wolverine's ass. Nobody gives a fuck about you. You should have brought Sabretooth back for the second one and kept him in the background. Moving into the third one, the Sentinel scene was cool, the fastball special was cool, fucking Jean Grey trying to set Wolverine on fire was bullshit. Her killing Cyclops was stupid. Oh, Magneto, yeah. Magneto fucking doing a bridge so motherfuckers could hop over the border from Mexico was stupid. You know, mutants I've never heard of, like a motherfucker with a, a human pincushion. It's like, look at me, I'm a fucking porcupine. That's my mutant power, and I'm Asian. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck about you, dude. Who are you? And mutant A. Like, like, he had more screen time than fucking Pyro, who's a real fucking character. That's what fucked it up, and Brett Ratner trying to be fucking multi- multi-ethnic and diverse. Who gives a fuck about a guy who has needles pop out of his fucking face? Nobody gives a fuck about that guy. You know, the, the mainstays were Pyro, Mystique, Magneto, and the Blob. If you wanted to get right with it. So you should have put those fuckers in the movie. And to think that the Asian chick was supposed to be Mystique. Mystique wasn't part of the fucking New Mutants, or she wasn't part of a, the Brotherhood of Mutants, you fucking stupid bastards. She was some Asian chick. First, she was an English chick. She was an English chick that got put in the body of an Asian chick who ended up forgetting who the fuck she was and killed people. You're talking about Psylocke? That, yeah, the Asian chick was Psylocke. Can you believe that shit? Wait, what? What, what movie the, are we on? I'm so fucking lost. In the third X-Men okay. movie with fucking okay, I'm with Porcupine, you. With Porcupine Face, 
the Asian chick is supposed to be Psylocke. Yet nobody said anything. Was it? Nope. I thought it was supposed to be the chick that uh, led the, uh, what was it, the, not the Inhumans, the fucking, uh, uh, the Morlocks? Right. Yeah, yeah, Morlocks. yeah, right on. Oh, Callisto, nope. right? No, she wasn't. <laughs> it was a fucking. Master H killed it. He said, Angel flying around San Francisco. <laughs> that wasn't an allegory for anything, right? <laughs> oh, hey, see? You see? But that's what I'm saying. That, that's Brett Ratner being Brett Ratner. Like, Michael Bay blowing shit up is Michael Bay being Michael Bay. Robert Rodriguez putting Danny Trejo in every movie is Robert Rodriguez being Robert Rodriguez. Brett Ratner always wants to be extra with his shit. Let's have Angel fly around San Francisco and not accept that he's a mutant, which is in relation to the fact of what happens in San Francisco that is in San Francisco. Oh, my God. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like look, look, can y'all just make a fucking movie that works? That's all. The X-Men, X-Men is not hard to make. You make Wolverine killing people. You make the big Russian dude that turns to metal. You make a bitch that makes it rain without stripping. You make a guy that shoots laser beams out of his eyes and a chick that can read your mind. It's not difficult. Fuck me. Wait, wait. So, so you didn't like X-Men 3 or, or you did like it? I can't, I can't tell. X-Men 3 was bullshit. It was just an excuse (laughs) for them to make more money. It's like, let's put a 3 behind X-Men and bring everybody back. It was like Spaceballs 2, the search for more money. That's what X-Men 3 was. X-Men 3 was the search for more money. It was fucking bullshit. Kill me, Logan. You like that one? Is that that one, gang? Flick like that one? Come on, come on, Gold Nuggets. Let's hear what you got. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say the movie itself, but no. I would rather you strap me to a chair for 24 hours and force me to watch the dance scenes from Spider-Man 3 versus having to watch one minute of any of those X-Men movies. Seriously? Okay. Even X-Men 2? Seriously. Fucking Bobby Drake walks down the stairs and he basically fucking plays the smell my finger game to fucking Logan. And he's like, oh, I got some, huh? That, that didn't do it. Then when the fucking, the motherfuckers are crashing the mansion and fucking Wolverine's going fucking batshit crazy and tearing motherfuckers up. No. That was, that, a, that that was the best part of that movie. Wolverine killing that whole, squad, that whole squad was the best part of the movie. I'm the juggernaut, bitch, was not the best part of the movie. Yeah, that, that's that was the, real, that's yeah, that's Look, in the dude. third one. You know, no, in the third. Two. Well, in the in it doesn't two. matter because the three movies are interchangeably shitty. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! You can't <laughs> even compare. No, I'm not going to slow down. Fuck that! They're interchangeably <laughs> shitty. So you're saying X Men Three, where Scott Summers dies, and then no one talks about it to the fucking end, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he died. Fuck him." And then they're like, "Oh, that bitch. She, she's very upset, and she's on fire now." Oh, she's the Phoenix. Oh, okay. Like, that, that shit, that's bullshit. So fucking X-Men 1, fucking good. X-Men 2, fucking solid, because it builds on the relationships of the fucking team members. That shit is fucking good. X-Men 3, fucking shit. Wolverine movie, first hour is okay, up until the bitch dies with the pig's blood over, but, well, spoiler alert, she's fucking still alive, ha-ha! And then Deadpool shoots fucking lasers out of his eyes. So... All right. Deadpool shoots lasers out of his eyes was better than fucking X-Men 1 and 2. I, I, I think I'm going to go hang myself. I don't know if I can take it. 
No, no, no. I, I, look, I understand, and this is this is why I wanted to have you guys on. Besides the fact that you know, you know, I'm fucking battling fucking exhaustion, and my head is gonna explode. You know, having you having you guys on is good because there's a good co- point counterpoint, and I'm glad that we're having this discussion. I'll tell you why. There's a, a based on having you on the show, Kai. I've learned a few things about you without totally I'm knowing you. I'm sorry. No, no. You're not an asshole. You're a fan of the word fuck, we know, as am I. But the fact, the fact of the matter is that you look at the inner workings of what you're watching. You look at the deeper message. And you know what? That's good. In Slick's case, Slick can, can look in the inner workings of a movie depending on how he feels about it from the onset. If the movie isn't at least somewhat believable to the source material... Slick hates it. That's, that's yeah. just how it is. It, and, and, and I know it because I've watched enough movies with him where he'll say, what the fuck? At least once. <laughs> At least once. You know, when, when, when fucking... When you watched it, when he watched Iron Man 2, uh, he, I, got a, I got a BBM from him and it was a what the fuck for, you know, X, Y, and Z scene. You know, so he looks at it from the standpoint of keeping it to source material. You look at it from a critical point of view. I look at it as just a casual viewer, and I'll tell you why. Because I took film class, and every movie I watch, I'm analyzing it as I watch it, and it fucking yeah. ruins every movie for me. So now oh, I just try to, I try to desensitize myself, and I just try to sit my ass down and watch a movie and decide whether it's a total clusterfuck, a partial clusterfuck, or decently good. And the X-Men movies combined total clusterfuck. Separate marginal. But if you take certain scenes from each one, the scenes were okay, but the but added to the whole movie overall wasn't that great. It's just the way oh. shit is. Listen, when fucking Cyclops asked Logan, what would you rather have, yellow and black spandex? I shouted out, yes, motherfucker, yes! Okay. <laughs> look like shit right now. Well, see, hey, well, come on, in the first movie when he was like, hey, Cyclops, it's me. And he's like, prove it. And he's like, you're a dick. Come on, dude. That summed up the fucking two characters fucking perfectly. Well, yes, it worked. But, but you know what it is? I'll tell you. See, again, it goes back to, to Slick's, you know, his need for, you know, at least 75% accuracy to the source material. And I respect that. But on the so same it's, token, it's really you got to... Not fucking up things that are easy to get right. Yeah, that's true, but you got to look at it like this, and, and this is just on the strength, just legitimately. If Hugh Jackman was wearing yellow goddamn spandex, I would not have watched the movie. I don't give a fuck how accurate it is. You look like a canary, motherfucker. That works in the comic books, because you know what? In comic books, colors are your friend. In movies, not so much. Dude, he regenerates the out of his fucking hand. He's got claws coming I'm, out of his hand. The, the very thing you should, the least thing you should worry about is if he's wearing yellow spandex. Well, Just you know say. what? The brown, the brown costume, I, the brown costume I would have accepted. And oh, you know what? They, they tried to go with the, with the ultimate X-Men costumes. You yeah. can see that from the start. So that's where they borrowed it from, and that's fine. But you know what? In Ultimate X-Men, in the first issue, Wolverine got to fuck Jean Grey. So... You know, right let's on. look at you know, let's look at source material and compare notes. The fact of the matter is, we're living in a PG generation with a bunch of R-rated motherfuckers that like that like to watch movies. 
if I had my way and made every hero movie I wanted to make, a majority of them would be R-rated because that's what yeah. goes down in the books. And that Wolverine was the best part gets, of a Wolverine movie. It should have been. Wolverine, there was no other way they could have made a Wolverine movie. It, it had to be rated R because Wolverine is a fucking animal. Wolverine is a grade-A scumbag. He fucks chicks. He kills motherfuckers dead. He smokes. He's belligerent. And he's, but, but yet, there's an honor about him that makes you relate to his character. But at the end of the day, Wolverine's just a biker with a bad attitude, you know? That's all yeah. he is. He's just, a, he's just a regular dude. So the fact that they want to add all this backstory, and I shot you with an adamantium bullet, and you don't remember oh what the fuck Oh, my God. You're, too, you're, you're angry at Deadpool shooting fucking lasers out of his eyes. That's because they wanted to make Deadpool be like Mimic, who's another X-Men villain. The fact of yeah. the matter is, Wolverine being shot with an advantium bullet and all of a sudden getting amnesia is the equivalent of me flushing my toilet and having the water clean my intestines. Translation, it made no fucking sense. Dude, like I said, the, fucking, the first hour is amazing. And then right after that, it just it's total fucking shit. Like the, there's plot holes fucking everywhere as it is, and the shit just doesn't make sense. And when when he fucking he takes that wooden box out, dude, and I'm like, what's in the box? Like fucking uh, seven. And he fucking opens that shit up, and he's got the fucking revolver, and he's like, oh, this will fix the memories. And I'm like, he's gonna shoot him in the fucking face, isn't he? Seriously? It's like it's oh. not. Look, all, all all you had to do was very easy. Right after he fights Weapon X, you know, and he saves the chick, you know, you fucking, you shoot him, and you erase his memories. You, you, you do something, you, you attach something to him, you do something that's marginally believable. As opposed to, I'm shooting you with an admantium bullet. Motherfucker, I have a healing factor, and my skull is made of metal, and you're shooting me with a metal bullet. How the fuck is that rational? Like I said, that movie is fucking terrible. And see, my thing is, like, I, I think uh, I look at these movies, and granted, yeah, the first X-Men movie and the second X-Men movie, they, they picked apart, you know, that library, that reference material that they had, and they took some good bits from it. But as a whole, yeah, I, I agree. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't as close to the comic books as I would like it to be. But then when you look at the fucking abortion that is fucking X-Men Origins Wolverine, like... It, it just makes no fucking sense, man. The adamantium bullet, fucking Deadpool shooting laser out of his fucking eyes, the shit on Three Mile Island, fucking, you know, the chick being, haha, I'm not dead, because Wolverine couldn't tell that the bitch was dead somehow, magically. Okay. It just, well, it, you know it, what it is? Then, oh. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. They borrowed from the book, because in the book, he thought Silver Fox was dead, and she ends up being alive. See, here's what happened. Hugh Jackman actually went and did his homework. The problem is that they, he's, he's like, all right, I like this part. Like, I'm more than sure he came in with a stack of comic books and he put them on, the, on his desk in his big-ass mansion and he had some naked chick in his bed and he's like, quiet, bitch, I'm reading comics. And he's going through the books and he's going through the books and he's like, all right, I like this and I like this and I like this. And okay, this would do. Because you've got to think about it. When you look at it, the Weapon X program, that's fine. Bring that in, no problem. Agent Zero, no problem. Wraith being fucking the black guy from the black IPs, eh, not so much. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at the character as a whole, 
they just plucked necessary bits and pieces from each book to make the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they ended it with three different endings because they knew that let's give ourselves an out if we go in another direction with the character because we made three different endings. There's the Deadpool who's still alive ending, there's the I'm in Japan ending, and there's some other fucking bullshit ending, I think. The fact is, they when I saw it, it ended with Logan being in Japan, and you know yeah. that when Hugh Jackman got interviewed, he's going to be in Japan. That's where they're yeah. going next. You can use Silver Samurai, you can go Omega Red, you can use the hand, you can bring back Lee Press on Nail Bitch for him to fight. You, you know, it, it opens up a couple of avenues. Awesome, you can even you can even go really crazy and bring Cyber in, and that's what oh, hardcore God. comic fans know about. Because Cyber, you know, is the dude that trains motherfuckers to kill Wolverine. Yeah. And then you know Wolverine whoops his ass, and he's like, "All right, you fucked me up. I'm gonna get my adamantium suit, and I'm gonna beat your ass." And that alone would work. That's it. I mean, you know, Wolverine had potential, but what happens is they look at these comic book characters for the kids because that's where the money's coming from. All right, we'll make a PG-13 movie. All the, young, all the parents will bring their kids. It'll, we'll, we'll, we'll tie it in with the toys. Everybody will buy them, and we'll make a fuckload of money. What they didn't realize was that the same kids that like Wolverine, even in the cartoons, Wolverine is violent. Yeah. You know, the way and, it is. and the beginning of fucking Origins there, where it's the team and Ryan Reynolds is being all witty and shit. Like, why couldn't they just do that? Like, I, I would have fucking, you know, sat down for two and a half hours and watched that, because that was fucking funny. It was interesting. The banter going back and forth. Dude, I would have watched just Weapon X going to fucking town on people, and then have it go, well, you know, Wolverine's going to defect or fucking whatever. All right, dude, I'll take that. But it's like, no, let's just pick apart some fucking bullshit that we read on the fucking toilet, you know, once, and then incorporate it, that into a clusterfuck of a movie. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the last bit, and I'm going to bring Dottie in and, and wrap it up. Think about this. Think about the fact that Wolverine the game, the game, that oh, came awesome. out when the, had a better plot, better acting, and a better story than the movie you paid $20 for. I completely agree. That game was fucking awesome. That's what the movie should have fucking been. And, and mind you, it, it, it had most of the elements from the movie in there. You know, you fought Deadpool at the end, and you fought Gambit. But, you know, there were the Weapon X missions. There was blood and guts. It was what it was. See, a lot of people shit on the second Punisher movie because it was hokey, and it was. But the second Punisher movie, to me, remained one of the most truest depictions of, the, of, of, a, of a comic book character and the only ones close to that are Blade, Spider-Man, and Iron Man. And even and, and the Incredible Hulk to an extent. But super, super comic book accurate, Frank Castle, The Punisher, and Punisher Warzone was as close to the source material as you fucking get. When you got Jigsaw in there and people just getting ripped apart and fucking yeah. getting shot in the face... Don't get me wrong, some of the violence was a little over the top, like a chair leg through the eye. But, <laughs> you know, the, the, the overall presentation was, was, was film accurate. And that's, you know, I, like I said, we, we can beat this shit up, but, you know, if, if we do that, we're going to be fucking talking comic book movies till 3 a.m., and we've done that already, guys. Sorry. 
That's all right. No problem with that. Slick, are you still there? Yep. You got anything else to add, my friend? No, nah, not a Wolverine. Or X-Men. Well, well, with that said, gentlemen, I'm just going to bring Anderson in, and I'm just going to wrap up the show, because my, my head is fucking going to explode, and I need to take some aspirin. So, uh, with that being said, Kai, as always, check out Kai's website, northeastwasteland.com. You can also find Northeast Wasteland on Facebook. You can also find Kai on Twitter. Your Twitter account is Northeast Waster, right? Yes, sir. Hey, thanks oh, for having me on, man. And uh, I'm going to keep coming on until people fucking hate me and demand that uh, you guys hang me. So, uh, that being said, have a good night, guys. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks you a lot, too, buddy. Man. All right, Slick, I'll catch you later. All right, later, man. Later. Mr. Anderson. Let's see if the switchboard decides to work. Why are you not working? Mr. Anderson, what's going on? Nothing. What's going on with you? Oh, I already right. know. I've been listening. Yeah, of course. What, what do you got for me, my friend? I was just going to I was just gonna comment about the X-Men movies real quick and just say that, like, what the problem with it was is that the people who made the movies decided that they, they were like, we're going to stay true to the comic book, but they wanted to make those movies more towards people who didn't read the comic book to make it more interesting for them. Um, if, you, if you think back, now, now, now think back before you saw any of the movies, you know, before any of them came out. When that first X-Men movie came out, that was a good movie because you got to see uh, some old characters. You, know, you got to see, like, the Toad. You got to see uh, Mystique and uh, Sabretooth and uh, 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 and that was pretty much it, right? Magneto, not Magneto. Yes. And, you know what I mean? It was and it was cool because it, it kind of gave you characters. There were fight scenes. There was some action. There wasn't, I mean, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't too crazy. But I thought it was a pretty good, you know, you, you, when, you, when it came out at that time, you said, hey, you know what? That was a pretty damn good movie. Well, then the exactly. second one came out and and then the third one came out, and those just kind of ruined all three of them, I think. It was like a trickle-down yep. effect, like, oh, my God, that, that one was so sucky that the last one even sucks more now. Because, I mean, really? You're going to kill Cyclops? I mean, and, that's, and, that just, and that goes to the point where they're trying to do this to make people who don't read the comic books more interested in it, because, I mean, probably people who don't know were like, oh, my God. I mean, I know people who did know were like, oh, my God. But the people who didn't know were like, oh, my God. And, it was, and, and that's what they were, and that's what they were looking for. You know, they were trying to get a different crowd, a different audience. I mean, really, Wolverine. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be his backstory and stuff. But the Blob dies. What? No. How? Really? No. That, he didn't die, did he? Exactly. It sure looked like he did. And as far as but, I know, he was, he was more of a, you know, he's more of a main character than Deadpool was back then. I mean, you know, even even then. You know. Well, here's here's the thing I wanna I wanna run by you too. Do you think that the, that certain movies, when you watch them on a second or third go around, they don't age as well? Because, like you said, when you first watch X Men, and, and I have to I have to give credit where it's due. When I when it first came out, I was just excited at the premise of an X Men movie being made. Right. But then, but then if if when they play it on cable, you know, the first or the second one, or they give it on Spike TV or something, and I'm watching it, I'm just like. Uh, you know, do you think it's it's part of partly because it doesn't age well? I, I I would I would. Well, I mean, it's just like Slick was saying earlier how how they all blend together, and I said it before. I I sat down and was watching one of the movies the one night and was like, oh my god, this isn't the second one, this is the third one, or, or or vice versa. I don't even know. I can't even tell you which one I was supposed to be watching. But 
it, it, they just, they're just, they're not interesting enough. I mean, I get, I got more, I got more miles out of my real comic books than I do out of those movies. I don't even own them because I was just like, hey, why bother buying them? It's not, you know, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm going to be sitting around one day and be like, hey, I want to watch the first X-Men movie because it's not that great. You know, I got, I got like the first Spider-Man or the second Spider-Man. I was like, okay, those are good movies. I'll watch those, whatever, you know. Yep, but I always end up watching them when they're on TV. Yeah, you always put those on because they're always, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it was good for what it was. And, and well, it was a it, timeless it, classic. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like certain movies age well, and and then there's some that you watch them later on. And I'm more than sure a lot of people in the forums can agree on that. That there are movies that they're timeless, and like The Godfather. You can watch The Godfather a thousand times, and it's old as shit. But the movie is timeless. You can watch Scarface a thousand times. Not the greatest right. movie ever, and don't get me wrong, sometimes it does show its age, but it's still a classic. But then there are movies that you can watch a couple of times, and as you watch it, you're just like, I can't believe I really like this shit. Right. Yeah. No, I've got, I mean, you, when you pull out a DVD and you put it in, you're like, I'm going to watch this. And you put it in, you start watching it for about five minutes, and you're just like, yeah, you know what? I don't, uh, I'm not really feeling this. I don't, uh, all of a sudden, I don't, you know, it, it, it's not good. And uh, you don't get that from a lot of the comic book movies because, I mean, they're trying to, they're not, they're like, oh, we're trying to stay true, but, eh, you know what I mean? They're going not. to somebody else. <laughs> exactly, you're not. It's, it's ridiculous. Right. I'm sorry, I'm cooking. I had to open the oven. That's all right, dude. But um, <laughs> on, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, um, I know you saw wrestling this week, and... Um, oh. Please, please tell me you saw what happened to Evan Bourne. Yes, I did. Oh my God, that, that you know what? That the the RKO from the from I don't even know how you would explain it. I don't. I mean, the it was the he, RKO no. from the Shooting Star Press. He, Evan Bourne went to do the Shooting Star Press. Randy Orton jumped up, caught him in midair, and killed him dead. And yes. um, every it, it looked like the world stopped when it happened. They're like, Oh my God! It, you know, and it looked. I had to ask. It did look good. It looked it looked really good, um, and and both of them sold it right afterwards. I mean, they compl- you know what I mean. They they, Bourne was just the body dead limp. Um, you know they sold it really well. Uh, it was it was pretty good. I mean, and I know if you watch the replay because I had Jason over here and I, he, we were watching it, and uh, if you watch the replay, they show the slow motion of Evan Bourne coming out for the shooting star. And then as he comes down, and as soon as Randy Orton comes up to grab him, they speed it up. Boom. So it's like, we don't want you to catch every little thing. We just want to make sure yep. it looks cool as fuck on TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, of and course. Was, they, want, they want the hard sell job. Yeah. Oh, it worked. It was, but I figured know. I figured I would ask you because I know I know you saw it. And I, said, I said, Donnie must have gone, whoa. You know, because it's not, it's not often that we can watch wrestling with a straight face and go, wow, that was fucking cool. But once right. in a while, there's a couple of moments that come up that, that do the job, and they do it well. Uh, well, I, you know what, what sucks about it the most is it probably now uh, Vince McMahon is going to be like, well, did you see the reaction we got? I need everybody who does a shooting star press to face Randy Orton every week. You know what I mean? Or, or oh, somebody yeah. does something. So, it, 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 you know, oh, you do a swanton bomb? Okay, we'll just have him sweep underneath you and get you from behind. Or, you know, oh, fuck, they're going to probably run right through it. Well, you know what's happening? This is what's going to... What they're doing is exactly that, but they're borrowing the Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
which was yeah. Stone Cold would give everybody the stunner. So RK, uh, Randy Orton is going to be giving everybody the RKO. You know, his tag team partners, you know, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Shane, the old lady, you know, the, the fucking baby if he could. That, right. That's just the way it works, you know, and that's what they're doing. They're, they're setting it up exactly like you said. It's like, oh, it works. Let's do it. Right. The rattlesnake, the viper, he's coiling. Yeah, it's all. The only problem is that Randy Orton just, when he starts talking, dude, I just want to go to sleep. It's like, all right, yeah. dude, you're fucking boring. It's like, and you know, Triple H. <laughs> like, all right, dude. He took the page out of Triple H's book. That's for sure. Yeah, it's like, it's like, dude, all right, we get it. How about this? How about you don't talk and you just wrestle and shut your face? Like, like walk around with the same face you walk out with, that crazy fucking psycho face where I can't see your eyes because they look like fucking, like they look like tiny, tiny fucking. He has eyes like Dr. Bunsen Honeydew when he takes off his glasses. <laughs> it's like, where the fuck are they? So, you know, exactly. You need shit like that, but. Unfortunately, you know, like you said, they're just going to milk it till, till it's fucking dead, and we hate watching Randy Orton even more so. Like John yeah. Cena. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing. That's the other thing at WWE. That's what both organizations pretty much have to do is cut down on the promos. I mean, really? I mean, guys are going in there, and they're talking for 10, 15 minutes straight, and it's like, come on. Get to your point, you know, because it's, it's, it's just to the point of, I mean, okay, we know wrestling's fake. But at least try to make it as realistic as possible. You know what I mean? If I come out there and I start to cut a promo and I'm like, Rich, I'm going to kick your ass if you ever come out here. And then I start doing my main promo for another ten minutes and then all of a sudden your music hits and you come out, get out of here. You know what I mean? It's, You'd be out there. It's so predictable. It's yeah, so it's, predictable. Like, like, like I'm going to fuck you up, but I'm going to let you know I'm going to fuck you up because I want you to play my music first. Like, oh, come yeah. on. Like, like Christ. And don't forget the pyro. I need the pyro oh, as yeah. I'm running out. I need the uh, pyro yeah. as I'm running out. Uh, uh. But just, I, I know, figured like, I'd ask for that. Yeah, it was a great move. It was it was it was it was quite uh, it was quite spectacular. And I don't doubt. I didn't see the TNA pay per view, but I don't doubt that the Motor City Machine Guns put on a great match. Oh my God, dude! They, those guys and Beer Money. It, it, ever so often, some, certain guys come along that in certain matches they just mesh well. And holy shit, man! It was like. You had like a, a swan, you had a, a frog splash into a neck breaker. You had people getting power bombs. Yeah. Oh my god! I was like, holy shit! It was like a, it was like a human car wreck. Right. I was. I, mean, I bet it. I bet it was. That's really good. Yeah. Well, with that said, you can catch Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Tune in this Tuesday as Don celebrates his 50th show. Stop by, show your support. You know, stop by the Tumbling with Tumbleweed Facebook fan page. You can look it up by typing in Tumbling with Tumbleweed and show your support. And, of course, blogtalkradio.com slash, uh, what is it, Tumbling with Tumbleweed or Tumbleweed? Uh, just tumble. Uh, just tumble for the, for the show. For the show, yes. But if you wanted to find me on Twitter and follow my funny musings, then you would go to Tumbling Weed. No G. Tumbling Weed. Nice. Yep, at Tumbling Weed on Twitter. Look at you, my friend, just expanding into that social media networking, dude. I'm telling you, that's, that shit is the future. You, you love it. All I do is talk about slinging cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. It's great stuff. Dude, nothing wrong with that. And there's, and there's 150 people in this country that want to read that. Exactly. Good. There's a, a, 
I have a homework assignment for, for the My Take Radio listeners. You guys don't even need to join Twitter. Just go on Twitter and look up the goddamn Batman, which is pretty much the Jim Lee uh, Batman from the Batman, from All-Star Batman and Robin, because he actually says that in one of the books to Robin, like, who do you think you are? And he goes, I'm the goddamn Batman. And he, this person writes tweets as Batman, like, you know how I celebrate the 4th of July? By punching the Joker in the face and, and setting his clothes on fire and funny shit like that. So that's the homework assignment. Look up at the goddamn Batman on Twitter or look for it on uh, the My Take Radio Twitter. And Donnie, you'd, you'd laugh your ass off, dude. I will check that out for sure. All right, brother. Thanks for the call. And again, Tumblr with Tumbleweed Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm giving you devil horns over the phone. Much respect. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Have a good night. Thanks for calling. You do the same. Thanks for having me. Peace. Peace. All right, folks. With that said, 19 minutes left. I really, ugh, I just want to dip my head in a bag of ice right now. But nonetheless, let's press on. Got to do some plugs, of course. Uh, Razor Rob McCullough fought this past weekend. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yes, it was. And he won his fight for Tachi Palace fights. Check out his fight, his site, RazorClothing.tv, for any of your Razor Clothing merchandise, or look for at Razor Clothing on Twitter, or at Razor Rob, and show your support. Let them know, you know, you heard him on blo- on My Take Radio. You know, congratulate him on his fight. Great supporter of the of the show. Awesome dude, really cool. NortheastWasteland.com, of course, is Kyle Davies' site. You can check that out at NortheastWasteland.com, or look for Northeast Wasteland on Facebook. Austin Creed, a.k.a. Consequences Creed. His website is GoCreedGo.com. And, of course, the Deadliest Warrior crew. The Deadliest Warrior game actually came out on Xbox Live this week. Check it out. Play the demo. It actually looks really cool. I bought it. One, to support those guys because they put a lot of work into the show. And the game is just a nice uh, casual hack and slash, which I'm probably going to enjoy playing with a few people for sure. Um, You can check out. Of course, Max Geiger's site, his game project, which is GiantSparrow.com. Dr. Armand Dory and his vitamin water product with Reservatol is DrinkDocsDox.com. And, of course, Jeff D. Malin, he has uh, GTD Clothing. Um, you can check that out at JeffDMalin.com. The links for that are also on the MyTakeRadio.com website. Of course, a shout-out to the GirlGamer.com crew who support MTR always, and they help promote. And, of course, a shout-out to Trina from GamingAngels.com. She's actually going to be a guest probably after the Silva Sonnen fight. She's actually going to stop in and talk MMA and video games with us. So, you know, that's going to be crazy. Of course, shout-out to the MMA Gospel Crew. Those guys are awesome. They do a great job. You can check their show out uh, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. It's blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel. Um, if you're an MMA fan, you should definitely check them out. Shout-out to Josh Wood from MMAValor.com, another supporter. Um, Rachel from MMAHotStuff.com. I'm hoping to have her back probably in two weeks as well, maybe to join with uh, Trina from Gaming Angels to talk MMA. Um, that should be interesting. Of course, the Darksiders crew, HaydenDalton.WordPress.com, and a shout-out to Darksiders.com as well. Brooks Macbeth, I believe he actually has a website now as well. I think it's BrooksMcBeth.com. But if you're on Facebook, you can check him out as well. It's uh, Brooks Macbeth, Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S, Macbeth, M-C-B-E-T-H. Uh, the VGN crew, as always, highly supportive of the show. 
Those guys are awesome. You can check out all the shows on the VGN network by going to vgnradio.com. Soiled from Born Stubborn Radio for the kick-ass commercials, as always, and all the great work behind the scenes to make the site better. 411mania.com, ocremix.org, mmajunkie.com, and, of course, filmdrunk.com, all these guys, guest supporters, and, of course, you, the fans. Thank you guys for listening. You've just listened to My Take Radio, episode 51, for Thursday, July 15th. 2010. If you want to email me, the email is mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, twitter.com slash mytakeradio. Or if you want to follow my personal account, it's twitter.com slash akuma25. We're also on MySpace. If anybody even uses that anymore, it's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And of course, the Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash mytakeradio. Stop in, show your support. Join in on the conversation on the forums or on the fan page. And with that said, folks, I'm going to go pop some migraine medicine, lay in a bathtub full of ice, and get some sleep. Thank you all for tuning in. I will see you guys right here next Thursday. Taking us out is going to be the Super Mario Brothers 3 Pipe Remix from 7th Epic from ocremix.org. Peace.